What's up? Welcome back to What's Right. This is Garrett Bryan, and my guest this week has music anywhere you can find it or illegally steal it. Um, he'll probably just give it to you. He's a really nice guy. And uh, we talk a lot about writing, we talk a lot about performing, the difference between a gig and a show. Those are big differences. And you can find his tour dates on music by andrewholmes.com. He has a newish album out called Garden that he was nice enough to let me play some key stuff on. So anyway, enjoy it. This is Andrew Holmes. Yeah, I like to wear a lot of that stuff, uh, but I mean, I'm wearing black today. You know? Right. I guess I like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're just gonna be a floating torso. Yeah. And <laughs> I really wanted to do like green screen behind it, uh, but I don't know what I like to put put something random at yeah. all times just yeah. happening. Just have a YMH live video. Yeah. Going on in the back. Well, and and like how how Tom and Bert they have this screen on two bears. They have this just TV behind yeah. them with the with the uh, logo on it, like yeah. I was gonna do that, and then just uh, have Gage in the corner, like yeah, shit up. Well, like, and I was gonna do it. You seen that video? Yeah, pull that up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, yeah, I was gonna do it kind of for that. But I was also gonna do it thinking I was gonna like help Gage in the editing process of it all. Yeah, and he was like, it would be easier for me to just like put it on there, like yeah. not like not have anything there. The, cool. more, the more we were talking about, it, the more I realized like I don't know anything on the video side of it all, which I already kind of knew. But it's like, when it comes to editing it, it's just like, I thought everything that I thought I was doing to help was making it harder. Mm. But anyway, I love you, and I love your songs. You did really great last night. Thanks, dude. I uh, I feel like I was just kind of getting through it until you all showed up, and then I was like, oh. Were you going for like an hour before we got there? Yeah, hour and a half, something yeah. like that. Uh, it, you know. Some gigs are different than, yeah. Some gigs are gigs, yeah. And then there's shows, mm-hmm. and it's it's funny how quickly a gig can turn into a show, as soon as you have one willing participant. That you know? is so true. Yeah. So whenever yeah. you and Hayden showed up, I was like, mm-hmm. all right, cool. All right. And it kind of turned out to be like a little family reunion thing for me because my parents are moving to Colorado. I think I told you that. Yeah. But uh, so like my aunt came out, who never drinks or comes out and she drunkenly slipped me like 40 bucks last night which was cool that's cool yeah was that whole table your fam yeah all of them and then my cousin has like a she didn't date a whole bunch and she has like a, a new serious boyfriend and so we all got to meet him and that's cool was your was, cool. was your relatives the one that was like you shouldn't maybe do those high notes no okay <laughs> <laughs> man so no there's this kid who came up to, I think he was like, I think he just wanted to, I should preface this, preface this by saying like five years ago, mm-hmm. you know, that Andrew Holmes would have been a lot more forgiving of that kind of stuff. <laughs> but I just have no patience for it now. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody drunkenly comes up to me and says something, I'm I'm just like, hey, you know. Shut up. Yeah. What, where, where do you, uh, I have that too. Now I just don't care anymore, and Do it you, takes ten years of okay. of that kind of 
BS. I think, yeah. To, okay. Uh, that's that's what it took for me. Yeah. I used to be such a people pleaser, and now I'm not even in my personal day to day life. I'm not even. I'm like the opposite of that now. Yeah. Just because of dealing with that for yep. a decade. It's and useful, I think. I, yeah, I definitely. Because I, I don't know. think I would have come to that like uh, naturally. I wouldn't have come to that ability to. Be like, nah, I don't, you don't have to, you don't matter in my life. Yeah, in the yeah, yeah. Of that is a pretty, it's healthy. Getting the, getting there was like frustrating because like in the beginning when you just, when you're just trying to please whoever it is that's, yeah. you whoever's attention you happen to have at the moment, it feels like, oh, wow, like what am I doing? I thought I was doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I don't know that one song that you wanted to hear. Yeah. And like. I don't know. It's like you said, just like a decade of that happening. It's every time that you go to play somewhere that doesn't have a stage that happens. Even there's no like, there's no like barrier between you and someone eating chips at the table right there. Like that's that, that's, I think that's the difference between like maybe the gig and the show or whatever, like that you were talking about a minute ago. Or you know, but. I think the delineating factor is food. That's kind of been my analysis. Is like, like food shouldn't be around. No, when people eat food, it well, it's a communal thing. You know, mm-hmm. like it's a social practice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, drinking, you can you know, sometimes. I guess like if you drink too much or something, you become louder and more social. But for the most part, you go like buy drinks and stuff. I I don't know. It's like the. Our society for a long time has used drinks in coordination with entertainment. Right. And so that's kind of built into the yeah, culture like, of drinking. Yeah, it's already there. But food for forever has been like, let's sit Separate. down and let's talk. You right. I mean? And so like if you're with a group, you go out with, you know, three or four people and there's food involved, like you're going to talk. That's like like your program to do that. That's it's right. It's been so ingrained. That's right. So any, pretty much any place that I've – like we did a So Far Sound show recently – and uh, it was hosted at, I don't know if they'd want me to say where it was, So, but it was hosted at like a restaurant kind of chain that they uh, they kind of partnered up with for a little yeah. while. And the lead of So Far Sounds was like, man, this audience is like not paying attention at all. And you've done a So Far Sound show, and for mm-hmm. people who don't know who that is, that's a, it's like a, they put on secret concerts in secret locations and like every major city in the yeah, U.S. Very and across hip. the world. It's super cool. Yeah. And everybody is always, like, tuned into what's happening. Yes. And it's pretty rare to have an audience where they're, like, you know, not really paying attention. Right. But that was kind of happening at this particular show because it was at a restaurant chain. And uh, the, the bands that were playing that night, I was just running sound. I wasn't playing. But the bands that were pe- playing that night were phenomenal bands, like, blowing me away. But nobody was paying attention. Because everyone was eating. Because everyone was eating. And the person came up to me, the uh, So Far Sounds lead, and I was like, man, this audience, right? And I was like, it's because there's food involved. Yeah. I guarantee you that's yeah. the reason. Wow. Yeah. I, I've i been so tired of doing the West Texas brisket circuit. And that's why. You know, like, that's why. It's not like, it's usually like the people that work there are usually pretty dang cool. Mm-hmm. And well, you always but, get treated well, but the yeah by the staff, by but the staff. like but like the the crowd is is like cut in half by like wow so, wow so and so is going to be playing at this place let's go listen to them and that's half of them and the other half are 
like you said, they're just eating and talking. Yeah. And uh, and when there's booze involved, they're eating fast and talking loud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll tune in pretty much only whenever you do like a a a uh, iconically sell out kind of cover song. And even know? then, sometimes if you like, I, I don't know, like not too long ago, I kind of I was in that situation and I was like. Let's just let's just see, you know. And I did something like that, just something old and hacky that I knew everyone would, you know, just like a bar banger or whatever. And it wasn't much really? different, you know. And like, it, like I don't know, it wasn't enough different to be like, okay, that's what I'm doing for the rest of the set. Right. It was a good. It was a good like. It showed me like, okay, they're just reacting like that to anything. Yeah. And so, yeah, might as well use this time to do you. You know what? Actually, now that you say that, I've been noticing that at gigs lately, too, because I've been learning more covers because I wanted to see if there was a different kind of reaction mm-hmm. to those kind of shows, and there really isn't. No. I think you're right about that. But I think that maybe what I want to start doing is, like, well, this is we've talked about this a lot over the years because we do the same stuff where there's, when you rely on songwriting as, like, you know, that pays your bills, that brings in your your, you know brings home the bacon or whatever, like you kind of have to prostitute yourself out to barbecue spots or chicken joints. Well, yeah, you turn, you turn, you have to, to like, to do this life of an artist, you have to accept the moments when you're trading in your artist badge for like a beer salesman's badge. Yeah. You know, you're not, you're not really an artist here. You're, and you're not even here for artistic expression. You're here because you have a water bill. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, it's <laughs> like, you're right. I, I didn't really come here to speak my truth. Right. I came here because I have obligations, and you answered the phone and said yes. Right. That's why I'm here. Because I, I called a bunch of cooler places. Mm-hmm. They didn't call me back. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know yeah. What I'm this is option five. But yeah, I'm exactly. Yeah. Um, this is plan C. I didn't, yeah. I didn't drive here really thinking I was going to be, like, able to have a platform for anything. Right. So like when that moment, when that moment happens and I, and that, and you acknowledge that moment and you lean into like, okay, well I am here doing this. Mm-hmm. Let's lean into that at least for them. So, so at least somebody walks away with something. And then when you're met with the same thing, it's just like, well, well, I would just rather just do my, I'd rather just play my mm-hmm. shit. If you're going to, I don't know if you're gonna treat if you're gonna treat a Toby Keith song like this. I didn't want to play that yeah, song exactly. anyway. Yeah, exactly. I didn't want to play that song right. anyway. Yeah. I thought you wanted me to. Yeah. You asked for if it. If that doesn't jazz you up, if then that's not. The, yeah. Yeah. Then we'll do what jazzes me up. So exactly. Not, yeah. Yeah. So it's not well, your board and I'm and board. a lot of the times, if I allow myself to lean into jazzing myself up, mm-hmm. if anyone happens to look over, it is kind of contagious. Yeah. But so but so is me dreading. Whatever fucking banger yeah. that I'm playing that they yeah. wanted to hear, so you know, true, man. they can look over and even if it's a song they like, they'll be like, "This dude does not want to play this song." Yeah, and I don't, and I don't have it in me to pretend like I do anymore. Yeah, I'd say the benefit of of doing those gigs, like gigs as opposed to shows, right? right? And I'd say the benefit is like it, it could be. Or I guess what I've been convincing myself for a long time is that it could be a you know, an opportunity to 
get paid to practice yeah. maybe your showmanship or stage mm-hmm. ability or whatever. The problem is every single time I get up there and I'm you know playing at a fucking taco shop or something like that, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I don't really care to practice anything right now. Right. I'm just going to get <laughs> yeah, through yeah, this. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, three and a half hours of playing my hands are on fire and you know my vocals are tired and i gotta save them for the one show i care about this weekend yeah and um so i'm i'm at this place now where i go you know the cost benefit analysis of having being able to get paid to do stuff like that it's not really working out i don't feel like because whenever i do end up getting those shows that are shows and people are tuned in and that's when you get like this it's so backwards, man. It's yeah. crazy to me that you have those shows. Well, let me finish my first thought before I jump over that. But um, whenever I do a bunch of gigs, right, and then I have like one or two really, really solid shows where people are tuned in throughout the month, it's like those shows I'm rusty for because I'm I'm so used to not connecting with what I'm doing right. that when I do, I'm like, man, if I were practicing this – right. All the time, yeah. My stage presence would be, you know, exponentially better uh, because I'd be able to practice like the comedy and the rat tat tat between me and the audience and the just the rhythm of it all. The rhythm of it, the stories. Yeah, uh, I will say that that's something I really respect about you. Like even last night when you hopped up to play a short set uh, during my gig, um, you got up there and you still told stories and you were like trying to connect with the audience and stuff like that. And I know what that's like to be behind that mic mm-hmm. and every eye is not looking at you and 100%. you're still talking into the void. Yeah. And I just don't do it anymore. Yeah. And so I recognize that with you and I go, I feel like you still do practice for shows. In, in that, that space. In, yeah, in that space I do. Yeah. Like just in, in just in what you just in what you were talking about about last night. Yeah. Um I have a few I have a few things to do this weekend, and I utilize that fifteen minutes, yeah, to like mm-hmm. kind of work on whatever would help me this weekend, you know. Yeah. And I knew I was watching you. Me and me and Hayden were the yeah, and your family mm-hmm. who was right beside us. We were the only people really engaged in what you had to say, right? Because that's just a gig. Mm-hmm. And so I knew stepping up there, like I probably wouldn't even have that. Cause that's your family, you know what I mean? I had you and <laughs> yeah, Hayden yeah. looking at. It. That's it. And yeah. so like, I'm not really gonna quote unquote impress you guys. Uh-huh. I'm not gonna show you guys something I haven't already shown you before. Mm-hmm. But I am gonna utilize the 15 minute. You know, I'm gonna utilize the three songs to like. Like like you said, it's I'm just doing it into the void because I'm looking around the room. No one's looking, right? And no one's listening, and everyone's talking and eating, or watching a game. And I'm still mm-hmm. like, I'm still winding it up and throwing it. No one's hitting it back to me, right. but I'm still like, it's still like pitching practice, mm-hmm. you know? Like and like, I think to use that analogy, it's just like when you're at the gig, you're practicing without a bat without a batter. Mm-hmm. And when you're when you're at the show, you have somebody walking up to the plate to yeah. hit it back to you. you I know? think I think maybe I've practiced for a long time. Maybe my like guitar and vocal chops during that time, right? But, but I don't. I think that's what people m- thought to mean when they told you to like use that time to practice. Yeah, it's like well, yeah, I'll so. work on something on the guitar. Something I didn't mean to inter- interrupt. No, you, you're but good. Like, 
But like, yeah, I'm trying to. I'm working on something other than that. It is. The, I can work the on that here. Practice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. It's you know juxtaposed though all the all the maybe the negatives of of gigging and there are there are plenty of them. There's also positives and you and I know that. Um, but like last night was cool to because like all of, you know, nobody's paying attention. I'm playing covers. I'm playing originals and then, but I also had like four or five people come up to me and say you know really great job or whatever. Right. And then I had that one kid that was I think he was maybe a little off kilter maybe that night or something. I don't know. But he came up and was like, hey, I heard you weren't hitting those high notes, so I was singing them for you. I think what he wanted, though, I think he just didn't know how to convey right. that he wanted to sh- tell me he had a good voice. Yeah. And that's cool, but yeah. it wasn't the right way to say it. So I was like, no. hey, man, kick rocks. But there, There is no right way to say that Yeah, it's instantly. Right. You can't just walk up and be like, hey, I have a good voice. Like, that's this is not maybe the time to do that. But also I had somebody come up. Well, in that moment, are you like, but how much are you paid to be here and do and sing? Yeah, there's a little bit of how that. How good though. is it? Right. You know, well, and like, because you have, you had to walk up and tell me, mine's so good that you had to come up and walk up and tell me about yours. <laughs> <laughs> My voice compelled you to tell yes. me about your own. Yes. Um, no, but I had also, it's it's like these little little nuggets, I guess, of, of gig life. Where somebody came up to me, Abilene's my hometown, obviously, mm-hmm. and I've played there a lot. Some, some gigs. I feel like the last few years I've been doing more shows in Abilene, and it's because I will like a limit. Yeah, I'll limit the amount of gigs that I do here, and then whenever I have shows, like the one that you played with me, mm-hmm. it was sold, sold out. out. Yeah, it was great. Buy forty tickets yeah. or something like that, mm-hmm. which was, I mean, the highlight of. Uh, probably one of the best nights of my entire life. So cool. Dude. But um, I had two people come up to me last night, and they're like, are you Andrew Holmes? And I was like, what the shit is that? That's so cool. And that was so cool. That's so cool. And so, like, even, I mean, playing at a little taco shop here Mm -hmm. in town, there are are some people where they they know what you're doing deeper than just, you know, like, I'm here playing at a restaurant. Yeah, I didn't want to tell you, but I experienced that last night, too. Cool, When I was waiting for the chips and salsa. You did tell me. Did I? Okay, cool. They recognize you from Callahan. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was like, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, that wasn't me. Yeah, exactly. uh, Yeah, exactly. They were like, are you you in a band? And I was like, I was so proud whenever someone asked me, I was like, yes, I am. Like, I knew it. Callahan Divide, I saw you at this barbecue cook off <laughs> like seven years ago, and I was like, "No, that's not me." <laughs> but, have you? Uh, this is kind of one of those weird skills I've noticed that I have in the last two years. And let me know if you have this too. But I'm able to like pick out artists just by the way. Oh, they carry I can themselves. smell them. Yeah, like, yeah. No, it's just like it's like if you. And there's different types of them, but mm-hmm. but there's some there's some there's some type of common denominator, yeah. and a little bit of it is like a walk. Sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes it's a walk. A lot of it is just like, I shit you not. A lot of it is like, who's the most stylish person in the room? Part of it is you that. know what I mean. Yeah, who's that's the most? True. Fa- and maybe not when you're hanging out with Gage, but Gage is a songwriter yeah. and an artist. You yeah. know what I mean. He doesn't necessarily know a G chord, but it's only because you hadn't showed it to him. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like he is an artist, right? And he and he is usually the best dressed person in the room. Mm-hmm. But like that's a pretty good indicator. When uh, me me and my girlfriend Reagan is another artist. Mm-hmm. When we went to Hot Springs for her birthday, just to, you know, have a little trip. Yeah. And uh, yeah, dude. I, when we would walk around, I could literally. I was like that. That's a yeah. guitar. You know, that's a musician. Yeah. And I walk in like. Uh, 
I'd I'd quit. Pretty much quit smoking cigarettes. But I yeah. he just, I just I, that dude looked like a cigarette. I knew he had one, you know. Yeah. Right. And I, so I walked. And I was like, "Hey, bro, do you, you have a cigarette?" And he's like, "Yeah, man." And he and he gave me one. I go, "Are you a musician?" He goes, "What else do you know about me?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is this your social security number? Yeah, exactly. Is this your mother's maiden name? <laughs> Is this your card? <laughs> um, that's funny, man. Yeah, there's this last maybe like year and a half I've been doing a lot more like audio engineer sound gigs and stuff just kind of randomly on the side and I'm I'm noticing that I can show up to a venue and immediately be like hey you're the one playing tonight aren't you mm-hmm. and they're like yeah yeah I'm like alright cool let's see what cool, you got and they're like this is probably your drummer right <laughs> and like just, yeah like yeah that's him mm-hmm. and this guy's the I'm like yeah yeah. just I'm, everyone raise yeah. yeah we already know come with let's me go. <laughs> yeah you, 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 yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Does everybody know how to sound check? All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you look like you do. It's really, it's kind of, it's kind of a fun game I like play with myself. Yeah. Like, um, and I don't know exactly what it is that, it might be the it's style like a thing. Vi- it's like a vibe. there are some people that, it's just a vibe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's something about like, if you, you know, I, to, it's like if you've, do you remember the first time you went and played in front of people? Yeah. And it was like, you know, jitters the first few times yeah. and the first 10 times and then 20 times got a little easier, a little easier, a little easier. And then you'd like, now I just don't even, right. I don't even think about it. Right. Maybe if the crowd was like enormous, maybe if I was playing for 10, but even then people, you'd probably still be like, this is what I wanted. Yeah. Rather than it would turn is, into rather excitement. than, rather than this is overwhelming. You're like, mm-hmm. this is kind of what I wanted. I think that just the action of doing that mm-hmm. night after night for, 10 years or something mm-hmm. makes you kind of walk in a way that is like, I, you know, I think that's 90% of the people that I talk to, I don't, I'm not going to worry about what they think about me. That's so true. And there, there, and there's like a, and there's, but that's not in like a, not in like a get putting out negativity kind right. of way. Sure. And so like, there's a line there. And when you see people walk that line, you're like, they've, they've done what I do. Yeah. Comedians um, that bomb a lot will mm-hmm. probably experience the same thing. I mean, bombing as a comedian is way, way worse. Hundred percent. But there's times I've but, super. But I've still up. I've bombed lately. Yeah. And like just because I have songs that I've had for a long time, and I have an instrument to lean on, like that doesn't mean I didn't bomb. I fucking right. bombed, you know. Right. And it's like. Uh, but that gets easier whenever you've been bombing in front of people yeah well and just and and kind of what you have to learn from comedians too is like when you realize that you are this is it this you are this is it's going to be a bomb completely for the rest of the set it's like kind of kind of enjoy it in a way you know because like you can at least like say something funny about it later and like it also kind of like if you're there for two or three hours yeah. And in the first thirty minutes, you realize like, oh, this is gonna be fucking awful for the whole time. Right. Um, you are free to do whatever you want. Yeah. Now, yeah. you should have shown up with with that freedom, but you really didn't because mm-hmm. you wanted them to have a good time, and you wanted to do your obligations that you agreed to and all this other shit. But when you're when you're halfway through that first set and you know that there's no getting them back, you you're free to do anything. And and in that journey, you will find something eventually to get somebody back. Some mm-hmm. sometimes, you know. That's like not a fun game to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, there's a comfortability whenever you you hit that kind of rock bottom on stage in front of people. You go, 
well, here I am. It's not nowhere yeah. but up from here. So, I, yeah, I think that that's probably part of the fact, like one factor of many that, that helps you like call out songwriters of the same ilk because they mm-hmm. they walk with that knowledge that like, I don't know, nothing's really that big of a deal yeah. ultimately, I feel like. Let's talk about writing stuff. Yeah. What have you been doing lately? Um, I've been, so I went through, I wonder if you kind of do the same thing. I've noticed that a lot of my songwriting eras are based off of like a different type of tuning or a different set of chords mm-hmm. that kind of inspire me for a season. And my last record, that was all like drop D okay. stuff. And it was like a lot of them were similar chords. You already know that because you've played all of them with mm-hmm. me. Um, but it's like I'll, I'll dive into a set of three uh-huh. or four chords that I go, these sound really good together and have a certain tonality to them. And then I'll see how different I can make the song sound with the same set of chords. Wow. But okay. then they all feel like they go together whenever you place them in an album. Right. Yeah, there's like, like a similar heart vein to it, mm-hmm. and it's because they all come from the same sentiment of a tone or something like that. Yeah, with um, with um, make believe. Yeah, um, everything is either in E or D, um, and. Maybe like maybe something that would be like a relative key to those things, um, and yeah, it was basically for that same thing. It's like these are these are all kind of living in the same world, uh, subject matter wise. So like, let's kind of sonically try to do that, and that's not necessarily if you're doing that on purpose. That's not necessarily all that hard to do afterwards either. Like if you're you're starting the songs with those chords, maybe, and maybe I would write one in one key and be like. It probably sounds better in this other key. Like, wow, it does sound better in that key. Let's let's do that, you know. And that that doesn't piss off anybody too much as long as they hadn't learned the song already, mm-hmm. you know, to change the key like that. But with uh, what I've been doing lately with uh, – I went and saw James McMurtry the other day. Okay. <sighs> it was so good. He's one of my favorites. I think you and I have talked about him, and he's one of, one of those songwriters I've, I need to get educated on. I wish you could have joined me in T.O. Where was it? At Mags. Oh, yeah. It was awesome, and it was so... Uh, and uh, he had... I one, love that venue. I, I don't know too. why. But it, we just they, played there last... they closing less. down? They're just moving locations. Oh, that okay. whole part of town is like just going to be a huge apartment. Okay. And so... Um, they But uh, Grayland, one of the owners, took me to their new location the other day, and it's like way cool. It's cool, cool. as fuck. And it's Good. like way better parking... Yeah, the bigger. There's gonna be a green room now. They're bringing the OG stage, Good. and they're cool. bringing it there, and then they're adding on to it to make a bigger stage. It's a it's a really cool spot, but I love it. I love where it is now too. And we played there the other day, but anyway, when I saw McMurtry there with To, he had one guitar up there. Just I don't know what tuning it was in, but it was in an open tuning, and he would just kind of go back and forth between this this twelve string in standard and this six string in some weird open tuning and uh i love messing with capos but not necessarily traditionally i love kind of just messing with them you know and he put one like on the second for it kind of what i did last night i just kind of turned it upside down do the drop d fake out in in the key of e kind of so he did that but 
in the key of F sharp, and so he put a capo on the second fret, and then did that. What did that other trick? So he had two capos on the mm -hmm. same guitar. I, there's just something so brilliant about that to me, just because like he's making the job easier for himself. He he's like, that's what's cool about utilizing a capo like that to me, or tunings and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It's like it you get to a, it's like you, you got to a level of the instrument where you are making the instrument do what you want it to do, rather than you being like. How can I make this David Matthews chord shape work? It's like you don't have to just fuck make the guitar do it. You right. know what I mean? And like when when that thing clicks and you're like, wow, I have all these tools. And it's like, yeah, I, I'm not saying don't learn the stuff. You have to learn it to know even where to put this shit. Mm -hmm. But once you figured out where these things go, yeah, utilize the thing. You know what I'm saying? There's, everything on it can change. You know, right. and so. I haven't been writing all that much, you know, as much as I often do. Usually, like, as long as you've known me, I write pretty consistently. More than anybody I know, really. But since but since Guy's been born, I've written greatly less. And uh, a lot of that has to do with I have less existential questions that I'm asking myself now, myself now mm. you know. I'm not. Why do you think that is? I think I just don't have the capacity to because I'm thinking about, I think, I think my uh, my obligations are right in front of me now, and I think oh, wow. I think um, I think without without like that constant uh, you know just little face looking you know what I mean like with before I had that my obligations were like kind of a I don't want to say imaginary they're just self imposed because I work for myself and like. I have shit that I have to do, but it's like no one's te no one's no one's making sure that I'm writing. I'm the only one doing that. No one's making sure that I'm booking shows. I'm really the only one. Do you know what I mean? And uh, so that j that relationship with living is different now. You know what I mean? Like just period. And mm -hmm. so I I just have let I I wonder about what's gonna happen when I die less because I'm more I'm more. I'm more present in whatever current moment is happening mm. now. I'm not, you know, I've spent so much of my life in every current present moment also having one foot in the door of writing a song. Right. And that that isn't truly present. That is how you should be. That is how writers are. That is, that is being a writer. Mm, wow, but that isn't always point. being truly present. And now wow. I'm a dad before I'm any. I've been a writer before I was anything else for my whole life, and yeah. now that's not the case. Now I'm a dad first, and I'm a I'm a writer or whatever second, you know. And so, I don't know. I but anyway, that being said, like that that's neither here nor there, good or bad. That's just lot. That's life. That's evolution of perspective. Perspective changing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But so I sit down after the McMurtry show, really inspired with the open tunings and stuff. So I just I grab a guitar around here and I just put it in like open E or something, and I. I haven't written some. I haven't written something when I did this in like a couple months, maybe, which is a long time for me. And uh, as soon as I put it in that open tuning, I found a chord progression on it that was just gorgeous that I'd never played before or really probably heard before, quote unquote. Yeah. And I, I, a melody came out and subject matter came out. And by the yeah. time I was working on like the second half of the second verse a line came out that was like, wow, I really, I still know how to do this. You know what I mean? Like, because like going, doing it 
making it something that you do every day and then just kind of setting it down and focusing every bit of your brain power elsewhere for for that long of a break i've never done that you know and uh you know he's he's almost nine months old i haven't finished a song since he was born Mm -hmm. i I mean i have finished some songs but i haven't started and finished really maybe one Mm -hmm. or two that's that's nothing compared to what i normally would do Mm -hmm. but i got to like a line in this new thing that i'm writing now with this open tuning and i was like i had the confidence in myself again be like okay it's fine you know i have enough songs i have a shit ton of songs and there's already enough songs out there it's like maybe maybe i need to let things fester a little longer and so i can bring something to the table rather than rather than bringing every current second to the table at every moment like maybe like have have quite a few moments and let those things fester inside of me and then once I, you know, and, and jot, you know, just like, I'm always jotting things down. If someone says something or I hear something or I think of something that's just like, not to sound arrogant, but if it, if it's like, if it's simple, if it's simple and prolific, I'm going to write it down. If you say, if you say, if, if I, somebody around me, if I have, I have, a have, if I have a thought, you know what those thoughts feel like. Mm-hmm. And I would just jot them down. And so when I sit down. 90% of them aren't used or they're used as tiny little. Yeah accents to a song or something yeah they're never like the subject of no the song. no but very rarely yeah i would say yeah yeah this episode of what's right is brought to you by Theo music group Theo music group is a record label based in texas that's signed myself as well as dane pack peter sinclair and others they're the reason the lights are on most of the time for all of those households they've partnered with yellow dog studios so that we're able to have nice things like Vinyl records with production value. You can learn more about Theo Music Group by going to the website theomusicgroup.com. Yeah, I would say with the it's interesting to hear that, and I kind of feel that way too. Like uh, the last, uh, you know, COVID may have changed that for a lot of people. Not to bring up the you know the c word, but <laughs> <laughs> right that one. Um, I think that a lot of priority shifted for a lot of people in that area. And like in, in songwriters, and I've kind of noticed this with, with other songwriters I listen to talk about the process of writing too, but as I'm piecing it together and the way that you said that was brilliant, like your early, your early writing style was to be not present to some degree. And that I think is a a euphoric zone for all songwriters. And it is the starting place for good songwriting where you're present, but not really. Any writing maybe. Yeah. You're just, you're observing constantly. And the, like the personality part of you is kind of an autopilot, Mm -hmm. but really what you're doing is you're scanning and you're listening for the right kind of phrases. It's like you're always tuning a radio until you're, uh, what was that noise? Yeah. And, um. Well, it's like you're always looking. The window may be open, but you're inside the house. You're looking outside. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, I have a son. I have to go up to the right. yard now. Yeah, and you know I think I mean? for me, my priorities are different. And, sure. And because I don't have a kid right now. Right. And um, I think that that does, it changes your perspective, but that doesn't mean that it's, it's like if you think about the evolution of songwriting, it may start off with this euphoric, kind of almost utopian Mm -hmm. 
version of songwriting, uh-huh. and it's this era of just picking flowers out of right. out of the air, you right. know, constantly. Which is but fun. It's beautiful, but then but you, that's not all of it, right? And you have to evolve mm-hmm. personally. Mm-hmm. You have to have a kid. You have to right. take on new responsibilities, or you're or you have sustained adolescence, mm-hmm. and you can't do that. You know. Yeah, and that so, that Peter Pan thing that we hear about. Yeah, you know, with Peterson or just whoever, and it's like that bleeds into if that's just who you are, that just bleeds into what you make, mm-hmm. you know. And like, well, let me finish this thought. Sorry, the, man. You're yeah. good. You're good. Um, but I, I think that there's a nugget here where you think about like maybe during that time, unconsciously, you're building the rules and the framework of how to write a song, and they come naturally to you. But then you have responsibilities, and that takes your focus, and you have that that break in that constant connection to the, the ether. And then you have to consciously tell yourself as you discover again, you find that line like you did the other day. Oh, this is a rule. I didn't know that I was a rule I was following, but it is a rule. And I, I remember it. And so you're slowly picking up the pieces again. And then I think at this point that you and I are in right now, where there's priority shifting and we're, we're coming out of that euphoric, almost childlike wonder phase of songwriting into a more profound version of songwriting, I think you have to rediscover the rules and when to break them. And at the same time, you have to show up to writing as though it's a job. Yeah, You have to show up in the morning and go like, or like after a long day of work or something like that, mm-hmm. like I build vans and stuff like that. And when I'm sweating all day and then I come home and I'm exhausted, I still go... I have I have to put in time mm-hmm. with this. Yeah. And so because it becomes not an obligation but more a like a meditative practice. Like mm-hmm. it's not always easy to get up and meditate. Right. But it's important to do it. And it's the same thing for songwriting. It's about showing up and maybe you're carving away at the rules now is where, where you used to be carving away at concepts. And right. you had these esoteric concepts, but now you've got rules. Right. And so you can you you've studied the concepts for a long time and now you you're gaining the rule set to be able to to merge those two worlds and it becomes something that you have to show up for as opposed to something you live in all the time. Right. So maybe it's just a natural phase of evolution in the process of songwriting. I think so and just starting young and just continuing continuing to do it as you age. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, it's like you're just I do remember almost like knowing that that's what I was doing when I was younger, like I knew that I was just like figuring out the rules and I yeah. was just like carving away at concepts because mm-hmm. I didn't have my own thing to say. I didn't have my own like real opinions on anything or mm-hmm. my own stories to tell and so I would think of concepts of stories or I would you know write about someone else's story but now it's like I don't even it's like you said it's like I've, I've phased out of even that being a part of it that that doing that for a long time is like giving giving me tools you know to now kind of sculpt now now to like give my life a premise mm-hmm. rather than taking someone else's story and it's like, okay, that's the concept. It's like, mm-hmm. no, the concept is just like, what is your, what is my current truth? 
in the key of E. What is my current truth? Mm-hmm. And like that is the cons and like the 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 concept rules and tools that you know like give yourself like just from doing it a long, long enough like allows you to get to the second course and to the bridge and you're like oh wow I didn't even have to think about building this it just mm-hmm. kind of hmm. I just allowed myself to be in that meditative space and showed up and and was present as as the writer and I just but because of the time I've put in prior I didn't really have to think like well where's it going to go now hmm. it was just kind of like it's like you and the it like now it's some it's like sometimes it feels like this may sound kind of heady but like sometimes it's like if you get deep enough in the song and you don't know where to go, it's kind of the, it's like, well, it's kind of like the song's fault. You know, it's like, it's like, is it it's like, it's not me. Like I fucking, we're doing this together. You know, it's like, it's me. And by, you know, when you're, I don't know, when you, when you, when that age old question and you're not quite done with one and you're just like, does it need a bridge? You know, it's yeah. just like, probably, you know, but I don't, but maybe not, you know? Yeah. That's wild, man. There's so many songs I've started lately that, I think, you know, chipping away at concepts at the beginning of being a songwriter is because exactly what you said. You don't really want to focus on your, you don't really have enough stories to tell. Mm-hmm. And so you go, well, what's common? Death, love, yep. you know, spirituality, wow. whatever. Yep. And that, when I think back, as you were saying that, wow. I was thinking yeah. like, my first two records were just about death, love, spirituality, you know, anger, you know, politics, such general categories. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of good came from them. But now I'm like, yeah, I've, you know, milked that dry. Yeah. <laughs> and so. That's, that's fair. But you've also Now just... I've got to focus on what's right in front of me. Mm-hmm. You know, what is, what is in my life, what is so personal that it's also universal? Right. Like that, that small scope of it all can get to that, that broader stroke yeah. that you were getting in maybe the first record or whatever mm-hmm. that you're talking about. Like, I did that same thing, you know, it's just like. And that's a good place to be because it's not. It, it there's less self reflection in it. I think there's some amount. Yeah, of it. that's fair. But it's not about you. It's about concepts, and so you can be angry at the concepts, or yeah. you can be fall in love with the idea of love, or you can fall, you know, into like for me, I did a lot of spiritual songs in the beginning, and I look back on those with like there are a lot of. They're lined with a lot of hubris. I think. You know, me thinking I was more esoterically inclined at the time because I was dealing with concepts as opposed to my personal relationship with spirituality. Do you think, how much of that do you think is like what we're saying about not having something to say yet? And how much of it is us not wanting to say it? I think it's a little bit, uh, I think I was eager to say anything at that point. So as soon as you had something to say, you probably did? I probably Yeah, I probably would have. I think that it was easier for me to critique the system instead yeah. of myself, maybe. Mm-hmm. And so I'll, the system of love. I yeah, can okay. comment on that. The system yeah, of and politics, you're, and you're just, I can comment on And we're that. just byproducts of these systems. Right. But I, get, now, I get that vibe in your early stuff, yeah. Yeah, now I'm like... A little more ownership. To now the I'm like, feelings. yeah, but what about me? Yeah, you know what? Who am I in the realm of love? Like I've been right. The only songs I started dating a girl pretty seriously. You know about it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it's like the first time I think, well, my early love songs when I had not felt like, oh, I'm in love or whatever, were beautiful because they're they're the system of love. Right. <laughs> and right, they're not right. personal. Right. But I was writing rules for love and like commenting on the system of love. And system of love, new band name. But yeah. uh <laughs> hell yeah, that's our three piece. <laughs> <laughs> um but now that it's like it's something that's I've sent you several songs, you know, yeah. like um of newer love songs and they're they're extremely personal. Mm-hmm. Like the creaking of the floor at the house that I live at with Allie and, um, you know, just like that kind of stuff. That's like, it's the, so much more, it's the best imagery too that I've seen from you. And I think it's just because it's like, it's like when you, when you're talking about someone, so I don't really know her, you Mm -hmm. know, but it's like, because I don't know her and because of the choices you make, I can put in my love. Yeah. You know, and because it's like... Yeah. At, at good, man. I'm that's, that's coming You know, it's like, way. yeah, I think I, I want to get, cl- you know, I want to get closer. You know, like mm-hmm. you say, like, I want, I don't want to get any closer, but I want, I want the words to like, you know, I feel like the only thing that could, the only step further than like what, the like the last two that you sent me is like, is like X-ray vision, you know what I mean? Like, because it's like <laughs> it's very in, it's very in there, yeah. and it's very cool because me, like me and Hayden were talking about some of your songs and how like the scope of some of them can be like pretty pretty right. grand, and yeah. like and that that takes like a step, you know, if you, you have to step away to get that, and I like that too. You mm-hmm. do that really well, but I really Thank like you. this la- these last like one or two that you sent me wow. were like very very close. Man, that's a. I appreciate you saying that yeah. because I that's been kind of maybe a self critique of mine for a long time, is that I I don't know if this is a word esotericize things so I know much <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah where I'll, it's like I can get real wordy mm-hmm. because there's I'm trying to describe the entire world in right. three minutes right and um, that I think I've done a a good enough job at condensing large concepts that people get the gist of what I'm saying. And there's enough room for wonder that the person can listen and apply their own life to the, the topic of fear, like fear makes a wolf look bigger or uh, battle and bruise anxiety and stuff like that. So I'd take these concepts or human emotions and I'd try to just, mm-hmm. and I think that I've done well at that for a long time, but I also think that, if I like when I think about how my music is perceived to a listener, I think you kind of got to mentally prepare for it before you turn it on, yeah. because you have to be in the realm of I want to think deeply about large concepts. Did you like mean to do that, or when did you like listen to it back and you're like, "Fuck, this is kind of this isn't this isn't for everybody." I think I just. Or are you just okay because you don't listen to music that's for everybody anyway? Yeah, I, my I know that as you know the consumer side of me does. I like that. I mm-hmm. like listening to, mm-hmm. and I like listening to stuff over and over. And then like, on my hundredth listen, I go, oh shit! Yeah, exactly. This is about that. I yeah. had no idea. And you're, well, but it's you're, catchy you're, enough for me to come back to it over yeah. and over. And your I last think record that has was, that with the song writing and with the. 
sonic space. That I think was the goal. I'm glad to hear that that comes across. But it it is it is different now. Maybe I'm stepping into because this has been like a totally different writing season for me too. You and I have talked about how um, it's I guess been a slower writing season, but the songs that have come out of it have been like I like I've never felt. I've never felt conflicted about releasing a song because it was too vulnerable. Okay. Until these last few. But I, it's because that the I'm not I'm no longer critiquing concepts. Mm-hmm. I'm this is my, you know, th- it's like I'm going, "Hey, listener, here this is my house. This is my true thoughts on an individual. This is, you know, um this is what the cicadas sound like behind our home." Yeah. You know, it's like I'm showing them the garden. I'm wow. showing them the Yeah. And that that is vulnerable, man. That's Yeah. That's really close to the chest. Yeah. And it's been a lot easier to be vulnerable in the esoteric sense mm-hmm. or in the conceptual sense. Mm-hmm. And uh these next set of songs I feel like for me have been It's a good step, but it's different. It's like I've been learning how to analyze and how to condense but I've been focusing on stuff that wasn't me, and so now I'm like, "Well, shit, who the fuck am I?" That's interesting. Yeah. Are they are they funner to write or are they harder to write? I feel like they flow easier, which almost makes me want to criticize them more because I'm like, "This shouldn't be this easy. It shouldn't be this it easy." It should to though, really. Writing, comparing, but it should. Honestly, yeah. comparing the two types of writing that you're talking about, mm-hmm. it should be. It should feel easier if you've done that other one for so long. Because yeah. that's like a that's like a heady wordy vocabulary game, mm-hmm. and you're just and right now it sounds like you're just playing the emotional game. That should be an easier, fa- you know what I mean? I think it. Is, I think it is easier, but it's also and, and like and and not not to be. <laughs> I know what you mean though about like something coming out kind of fast. You're like, I should probably look at that, yeah. you know. But I don't know. Maybe trust it. Yeah, I think that maybe my biggest lesson in this category of like quick songwriting is the song Boomerang that's on my last record. Yeah. I almost didn't add it. I'm so glad you did. For the sole reason that I wrote it in 10 minutes. <sighs> that hurts me. <laughs> it took you, took you that no long? But no other song is that... <laughs> took you that long? There's no other song like that on that record. Not that really, just no. like I was like, I think I was watching the show uh, Money Heist mm-hmm. on, or maybe it's just Heist okay. on Netflix, and it's like a foreign... Uh, it's originally a foreign show. He's snoring. Uh, it's originally a a foreign show, and they like they you know dubbed over with English or whatever. Yeah. And one of the characters, one of the main love interests, it's like in one of the later seasons, just says something as simple as, "I was like drinking whiskey alone in my room, like just noodling the guitar, but not not trying to songwrite, right. but just looking at like watching it on my computer or something like that." And um, they said, like, I guess the rough translation from, you know, Spanish to English or whatever was like, our love is like a boomerang or something. And I just pop, paused it. And I was like, okay. And it, the song, as you know, is two chords the whole way through. And it feels like it's back and forth. Yeah, and that's bro. kind of the vibe oh for it. Oh, my gosh. But it literally was just, she said one thing. And I was like, maybe it's the good. And just right straight into oh. it. And it, like... Literally wrote it while line, it was paused. Maybe, the maybe screen it's didn't the even what? dim the curve that I'm on. Oh, honey. Yeah. Maybe it's the curve that I'm on, honey. That's yeah. the first line. Mm-hmm. Oh. 
And I just I just went with that because I knew I was getting to Boomerang. Right. The concept was Boomerang. Yes. And so I was like, okay, Boomerang and love. So easy. I'm just talking to a lover. Maybe it's the curve that I'm on, you know. Um, but anyways, the screen didn't even dim before I was done with that song. Wow. And I just I feel like I just shit it out of my ass. Before you <laughs> say worked, before, before you, you know? say come back together, what do you say? Um, I've been on the run. Uh, I've been on the run from love. God, now I can't. No, yeah, my head. I've been on the run from your love. I've been on the run from your love, hoping it would come back together. Oh yeah, boomerang. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm like, oh fuck. And it's just two chords, just boomeranging back and forth. I was like, oh my god, it's so yeah. good. Thanks, man. But that's such a simple concept, and that's it is. what that's what was so difficult for me to accept about the song mm-hmm. is that it's not about like love in general right. and it's not about like the you know opening the door to the chasm of your heart or something like it's mm-hmm. just and we're kind of back and forth sometimes yeah and that was the whole thing and i was like i can write about that and not you know just it's nothing mm-hmm. you know what i mean and it's not cuz i'm amazing or whatever it's cuz i you know going back to the I've been practicing writing with big concepts. Right. And so yeah. smaller concepts, I'm like, yeah, well, yeah there you here's go. A, here's a, yeah. yeah. And now that's the favorite for almost everybody. Well, it's, it's my parents' favorite. It's my girlfriend's favorite. It's people who come up to me who have heard anything about my music go, oh, Boomerang. Yeah, you're the guy that did. And I'm like, it's I the, almost didn't have it's that. It's the hook. Yeah. It's the fact It's the fact that you like, it's the fact that you say like a definition and then you say, Boomerang, yeah. like you know, a soft definition, I guess. Right. It's the it's the fact like the whole first verse is like I don't know the melody is so good, but it's just like it set, sets it up for it. Just I don't know, like it's the hook, man. That's why everybody wants that wants so you to play like, that motherfucker, man. It's because like it it's it's the perfect hook. Well, I appreciate that. The yeah, it's those the, you can't plan a good hook. I know that's what's so frustrating is that like I've put so much freaking effort into some of the choruses that I have. Yeah, and then that one is one word. Yes, dude. Boomerang, and that's why it works Boomerang. so good. I'm like, and in the context of your music, that's why that one pokes out to these people that are listening to so. FM radio all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. That you said that's the one that's. The, that's more. It's different. More mm-hmm. different than any of the other ones on your right. out on your latest album. Yeah. Do you have any songs that you like? Almost didn't add, and then, well, I like what. What is that song by John Mayer? I guess what I'm trying to get at is waiting on the world to change. Uh-huh. Interviews I've seen with him where he's like, "That was a throwaway song." Yeah. And now he's like, "I'm tired of playing it at places." You know, obviously we're not at that level right. where people are like, "Please play this." But are there so, that concept of writing something and being like, this probably won't work, and then that being the song that people latch onto, that's happened to me twice with the last two records. Like the first one in Through the Hollows was Buried Him Shallow. Yeah. It's um, never been my favorite song, and I added it because it was my dad's favorite song, and now everyone's like, oh, the murder ballad. I'm like, and you're the murder ballad guy at the taco shop now. That's me. Yeah, um, my when I first started making solo records, when I was making Break the Levee, uh, there were supposed to be ten tracks, 
and there's one that never got mixed or mastered just because I was like, at the same time of thinking this is too vulnerable, it was also too vague. I didn't want to ask any questions about it, so we didn't record it. Hmm. But what you're asking is like, uh, on that that album, there is a song called To Point a Finger, um, and it was really fun to record it, and it was the only one that I wrote there with the producer, Casey DiOrio. Um, and so like that whole thing, it was just fun to do that, kind of make something out of nothing with him because we're already kind of in this headspace before. Yeah. That's like, great. And it was like, I was on an electric and he was on an organ. And so it was, I hadn't really written a song without just an acoustic or a piano before, mm. especially in a space like that. And so I was like, it was a vibe. And like, I remember just being like, oh, I have to pee really bad. I remember like while I'm peeing, I, th- I think of the first line. And so like, I'm like, hold on. Like, you know, like, uh, and I just remember that being really fun. And, I like listening to that song, maybe, but I don't. I don't love playing it for a couple of different reasons. I don't resonate, and I, I can play songs that I don't resonate with how I feel. Like if I have a song that's like this is how I feel, and then like five years later I don't feel that way anymore, I'll still play it, kind you know. But like that is one thing about this song that I don't necessarily resonate with the message of it anymore. Um, but it's also just hard to sing, you know. It's like it's got a bunch of falsetto stuff in it, and it's like you have to you have to catch me on the right night to even be able to hit that stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, maybe now because I haven't been smoking as much, but like, yeah. you know, earlier like on tour this year, earlier hey, you it was can't like, hit the high notes. I'll hit. Yeah, floor, dude, this is my. F- <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I needed that dude at your show last night. Come on the road with me. But it's like, yeah, if you're seeing me, my, it's just my fourth show this week. Like, I'm not playing that fucking song. It's, yeah, I can't sing it. You know? Yeah. But it's like anyway that's that bad. that was that was one that uh that's probably the only one I could think of that we like that we'll we'll get towards the end of a set and I'll kind of be like what did anyone like show up wanting to hear something that I haven't done yet and uh, that's usually the one and sometimes like, if a fucking and we'll, off mic <laughs> yeah like fuck these guys God damn not this. not you yeah <laughs> anyone but you yeah um but that's uh funny. that I wrote. That song's kind of about, um, you know, I'm still a proud member of Callahan Divide, but I wasn't when I wrote that song, you know, anymore, that we weren't playing together anymore. And uh, I felt like I was wearing a lot of the, of why, like why that band wasn't a band anymore. I felt like that was a lot like on oh, me. And yeah. I was like, and when I, when I told them that I was like, right, I'm going to go start making my own records and stuff. They were like, okay, cool, man. Like mm-hmm. we're, we love you. We're going to keep, they were already a band for two albums before I even joined. So like, we're going to keep going. I was like, good. Mm-hmm. And then they did, they went out right. and then they were like, this isn't the same thing. Yeah. And like, I love them and respect them for that. And I'm, like, I'm glad we can play together again, make records and stuff together again. But at the time I was like, I was like, that's not my fault. <laughs> you know, like that they're sure. not, that they're not playing together yeah. anymore. Like I, I have things that I'm trying to do and say, and the things that I'm writing, the, the direction musically that Callie and Vibe was going, as kick-ass as it was, and I love it as a listener, I wasn't making stuff like that. I was making very small vignettes of things, like very just like, I was I was just like acoustic guitar and, and narrative. Like that's where my yeah. mind was. And creatively, that's what I was making every time, you know, when we would get together to do a new Callie and Divide EP or Callie and Divide album, it turned, you know... It, uh, as cool as it was to jam and make, like it was getting further and further away from like what I was like making personally. 
And I was like, I got to the point where, you know, I wasn't a kid anymore. I was, I was in my 20s and I'd been doing this for a little while. And I, and I felt like I was good enough to start making decisions rather than having like a fourth of a decision. Yeah. At least when it comes to something that I was making. Did you release something under Garrett Bryan and then transition to the Traveling City Community? Yeah. Yeah, Break the Levy is just under That's my what name. I was thinking. What was the... Take Shape was the first TCC record. What was the uh, what was the reason behind moving into and the you know Garrett Bryan and the something this, different is are they different kind of projects or is it yeah in a way an yeah evolution of Garrett Bryan to some degree so both okay. but but now that there are two separate entities now if I want to do like a country album when I want to put my fucking comedy songs on there or something that's something I don't have to pollute the traveling city committee world gotcha. with, I have this okay. on, you know, and it, and everything is coming from the same places as far as the website. And I'm just you know, looking forward to that comedy album. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to doing it too, but like that, but as far as, as far as branding is considered, that's not, that doesn't make the most sense sure. to associate. That makes sense. This traveling city committee thing is like, we're trying to be as innovative as possible with like this, with the soundscape that we're given. Something and so we're, we're trying to like utilize not that this is what any any real band's doing in the studio, but they, we're just trying to make like trying to record the newest sounds in the through the oldest gear to get the coolest sound. You know what I mean? And like that's that's what TCC is like all about. It's like okay. take taking the and and uh, and the uh, but you know I write I write a lot of those songs and I write a lot of just country songs and some of my country songs are funny mm-hmm. and so. Yeah, I'll, I'll just utilize having that separate entity on something like Spotify or whatever because yeah. it's already set up to be separate. But, yeah, it was just like, to answer your question, it's just both. It was an evolution of me as an artist and the team around me, you know. And it's like me and Gage have been working together since before Break the Levy came out. But I didn't have a a real band. Like by that time, maybe Taylor was playing drums with us. Maybe, J, maybe JT was playing guitar. But... Um, but they were learning songs from studio players, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then fr- from after that year, you know, it was like I'm bringing my songs to my band now, which by that time had grown to be the band that I have, you know, the Traveling City Committee. How many songs have you written in studio with a band? Is it typically you bring them to the group? Because I've started to get into band stuff. I mean, Obviously, you were a part of that. Uh, whenever I did it with the last record, Garden. But um, who are you playing with determines which one you should do. Okay. I think I think I. Did you start with friends and then build something with them, or was it like? Oh, I, I mean, yeah, I started with friends, positions. but my friends happened to be the best at what they like. Okay, so best they, of both worlds. They were they were my friends, but they were my friends that did what they do better than I know anyone else you know like mm-hmm. what Gage does he is Gage is one of my best friends but he also is just the best at what he does that I even know Oh yeah, Gage and so I think that same way with great. Jordan Tyler Haynes yeah. and Ivy and so when I'm if I'm bringing a song as songwriter you know as performers and singers and such but like as writers I respect them just as much you know and so I can maybe trust bringing an unfinished song to the studio and like think that I can really get some help with actually finishing it because these cool. two people will like diligently sit down and like understand you know i don't have to fucking explain anything mm-hmm. they're like we need to get this song de- finished and we can do that but i will say more often than not the the best bang for the buck is like 
you don't have to walk in there with anything necessarily like uh, as far as like composition is concerned. You don't need to walk in there with anything necessarily too close to your chest. But if you can give them basically the formation of it all, this is what the, this is the verse, this is the course. We're going to do another verse. We're going to do another course. And then after that, we're going to do this. If you can walk in there with that already, they're going to be able to help you more so. Like if you if you can already have that done, they'll be more help for you on these other fronts rather than because it's like because you'll be hung up because you'll be still in word land when they when they're ready for like drum tones yeah yeah that's i think that's been kind of my experience with it or like my thought process as i move forward into this we have a our first like uh band practice in in a long time uh on september 9th and we're going to get together and i'm going to introduce like three or four new songs to them that are like that are like probably 80% done and yeah and I have a feeling that a lot of the melodic like the the musical aspect of it is going to fill in some of those the parts that are wanting you know what I mean yeah and so I I wondered about that lyrically because for me I'm I'm a huge stickler when it comes to words yeah and I I don't want to have to deal with hurting people's feelings by going then that I would doesn't fin- communicate then I would what finish I the words before you went yeah. to them. Now, maybe yeah. if you, I will say. There's probably only two or three people you included that I wouldn't mind bringing a song to. In fact, there are one or two that I've been going, I'd really like to write this with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we should do that. But yeah. the, outside of the, that very small group of people, I just, I'm like, if you don't, if you don't get it on the same type of, right. with the same level of seriousness, mm-hmm. like, Throwing the word "and" in there. Well, hey, that's a big like, deal, dude. That that can change everything. everything. So if you would have went, if you would have went, hoping we could come back together and boomerang. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> that song's terrible now. Song. All of a sudden, yeah. Thank you. See, you get it. This of course, is I point. do. Yeah, and um, like I'm, I love Allie. She's great, my girlfriend. But she like sometimes will. She'll be like, hey, "Why don't you throw this in there?" And I'm like, "Because yeah, it doesn't." Well, because the inflection's not right. right. It doesn't sit well <laughs> yeah. with this first verse that already kind of touches on that. If I were to say "with" as opposed to "in," like it, like it's a different. Yeah. Like "with" is congratulatory. Yeah. Like, it's like there's Congress involved in it. And like, <laughs> "In" is it's like so it's something totally different. You yeah. know, yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. like the the micro meanings behind Every article word. words. Yeah. yeah. But that they, makes a difference. They make a huge difference, and they like when you're talk say say like the concept. I don't know the con- why the con- You know, it, it's it's different in every song is why. Yeah. Say like with yeah, bo- with boomerang. Cool. Okay, boomerang. Boomerang is the title, the hook, the summary of everything. Right. And so if any if any verbiage that you're using can utilize something like going back and forth. Right. That's that's yeah. what you. Or uh, or here and there or whatever. It's like just because that, and that changes with each song. That's just for that song. Like right. that that like uh, I have a song called I have a song called Pepe Mache, which I say paper mache. But uh, <laughs> um, but the whole the hook is like goodbye waves and paper mache don't make it easy to be and like the in in the song like it it talks about waves like talking about waving and stuff. But it talks about like uh, it talks about what am I trying to say? It talks about like it uses imagery words 
as like verbs, like waves. Waves has a dual yes connotation. Waves anchor anchor yeah yeah. Just wait, like uh, I don't need you as an anchor. Just wave to me from the shore. Right. That's that's a line in the song. It's like okay, Brilliant. just just using the vocabulary that is associated with the fucking shit that we're looking at. That you know what I'm saying, and yes. like that. That's yeah. why boomerang works, and like that, and that's why that thing. You know what I'm saying, like that's why that mm. that changes in every song. Yeah, and duality. so like that's why you can trust me and the two other people that you're singing this to because they're looking at it and they're going, okay, boomerang. What does a boomerang do? Right. Not what does a boomerang look like. Mm-hmm. That's stupid. <laughs> it's a big L. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's. I think it, that's a good point to to summate the uh, the bringing it to the band question. It, it's probably yeah, different with every band. If you were in my, if you were in my band, if all I the was time, in, if I was in your band all the time, we would still do that like this separately. We would yeah, still do that like this, and the, then bring it to them. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the way to 100%. do it. Hundred percent. Yeah, but it, yeah, it does. I, I think that the next set of songs that I'm moving into, because they're a lot more personal. I want. I wonder if it's because. I kind of want maybe it's like a self protection thing. I want to distract from like how personal something is by like give me a little bit more drums. Give me give me that a doesn't steezy, do that though. You know that doesn't really do that. Some I think it can sometimes. Keep hitting this fucking mic. Like there's what is that song you sing? That, I think I think it does it for me. I think I feel like it does that. Yeah. I don't think I think if the listener is listening, they're listening. Mm-hmm. Mm. And you know what I'm saying, like, but it when, may distract them for the first like ten times. That's fair. And then they come back after they're like, "Oh, I like the vibe of this." That's and then, fair. Then those concepts ring a little but bit they, more true. But they, but you want them to listen to it at least that many times anyway. And so, I, yeah. ideally, your listeners are learning you. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I guess there's no escaping that, and that's that's a good thing, you know. I will. I will say though, what's the title of that song? Which of yours one? that I fucking adore. Uh, uh, building you a castle only for the yeah. dread god first day in a Damn new place it, dude. the the uh wow, wow, did we write that together the, no did i do that one by myself oh man that so the that song is so personal Yes. The pile of laundry. 100%. The, uh, the bed sheets and the... The shampoo in the bathroom. I don't be- yeah, I don't belong on that side of the bed and the shampoo Right, the which is a total cliche, but like if you... You, you got to use your cliches. Right. Because you know? they're real. There's yeah. there's a reason behind that whole, being yeah. cliches because they're universal. They're, they're so are, if you can find a new way to say a cliche... All through, all through Make Believe, they're just age-old cliches just sprinkled through. Yeah. And in that song, there's a few in that song, but definitely the, I don't know, I don't remember exactly how I worded it, but the whole, like, that side out of the bed is like, I can't sleep over it. That's your, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember it because it's brilliantly worded. um, It's not the side I belong to. Hanging on and hoping by a thread. Hanging on and hoping by a thread. Making it and knowing I could use another bed. Yeah, I'm not the one that side belongs not to. Not the one that side. It reminds me to. of you. It reminds me of you. Damn, that one's so good. Thanks. But to use that song as an example for what I'm saying, which mm-hmm. is that song, I don't know what who this is about. Right. But I've got 
see what that's about. It's for a me, and it's about that. You know what I'm saying? Like that's who it's about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like for that's who it's about. That's who it's about. Yes, yeah, it's the right answer. That is the right answer. Um, the first time I listened to it was in a batch of five times of me listening to it back to back to back to back. Um, but like it was tears and chills. Wow. Yeah, and I think that's because I'm. You know, as a, I think a lot of songwriters, and maybe this is way the way that consumers listen to this kind of music. I don't know, but I'm clearly focused on the the lyric yeah. lyrical side of of stuff. And I know you, yeah. So well, and I just handed it. it to you, and I was yeah. like, yeah, go listen check to this shit, check out. it out. <laughs> um, but the, I think the thing that like the consumer side of me that listened to it, you know, hand in hand with the lyrical side of me. Really connected with the the guitar, yeah. It, you know, kind of John Mayer esque mm-hmm. in the start there, that little lick. Yeah. And I think that if if I wasn't somebody who practiced words, uh, you know, words on the paper, I'm still working on audible words. Sure, yeah, you're doing just fine. <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> um, if I wasn't someone who practiced that, my first thoughts about that song would be the sentiment of the tonality, like the sentiment of the music behind it. Yeah. But if I were to stick around long enough and listen to it, I'd realize that it's a it's an intricate threading of words. Like mm-hmm. the way I texted you about <clears throat> what was it? It was like you used the analogy hanging on by a thread uh-huh. for a verse about sheets. making beds yes. and sheets. Yes. And that, so, that's the same thing we were just talking right. about. Yeah. Yeah. And so when when I listen to that song over and over, I think I I hear those little the duality of words that you use constantly. These yeah. these uh, metaphors that we all know and mm-hmm. like turns of phrases that we say all the time. Right. But you expand on them to the concept of the entire verse, and the the listener is probably just gonna be like, Oh, I know hanging on by a thread. Yes. Oh, and this is also about a bed. Yes. And it's two separate thoughts. Yes. But thirty and times in, they listen. They might, yeah, they're not right. <laughs> they're They'll learn. But thirty times in, they might make that connection and go, "Oh shit!" Yeah, and like recognize the amount of thought that goes into yeah how person how deeply personal the, some of those cliches are. Yes, and and how personal the imagery of you know making well, your bed and needing a new one. Well, and I think is. if you're if you if you're Grant. If you're ground, it's like it's like okay, the me- it's like okay, the cliche ass metaphor is coming up. It's like if you can kind of ground that, you know what I mean. Like before, I I I, I did I kind of laid the I laid the vocabulary down with the thread kind of first yeah. before we even got to the cliche. Yeah. And so like, it, it's really subliminal, but it's like it's less. It's less hacky in a way. It's like le- yeah. it's less like wow. There's that cliche because yeah. I'd already kind of like built a ramp to it, you know. Yeah, a ramp and a soft landing. You yeah. covered it on both sides. Mm-hmm. It's like because uh, the ho- the hook is the landing. Yeah. It just it lands back around to where you already know the hook's gonna be, kind of. Yeah, it is. It's interesting how how much you do have to hide cliches. Yeah, and people don't. I think that I don't know. It's and that's a good thing that they don't. It's a good thing that can, people who are more consumer based are. They're not listening for those turns of phrases, right. but they work on them. Yes, 
you know, it works on them over and over. And that's why metaphorically, like meta, JBP says this all the time, where metaphorical truths are much deeper than historical truths. And it's like, that's why you can write a song when you're 17 that breaks you down again when you're 27. Right. Because if you, if you space the cliches properly and you set them up and knock them down the right way, they're open-ended yeah. truths. Yeah. This episode of What's Right is brought to you by Andor Peppers. Andor Peppers is family-owned and operated. They have small-batch fermented hot sauces and smoked spice mixes from garden to bottle to table. They have physical locations in West Virginia and Florida. If you can't find them there, if you're not around, you can go to andorpeppers.com. Thank you, Andor Peppers. Me and Hayden were talking about that for your songs last night, too. Hey, Hayden is going to cut a song or two of mine that's really old that I never thought would ever see the light of day. And I kind of forgot about him. Yeah. Um, I'm serious about you covering... I really want to do that, for Dude, sure. Okay. I actually sh- I showed him that EP oh, on the good. way here, and he, he the only thing he said about it was, I just wish it was longer. I go, me too. <laughs> he goes, I can't believe that was done here. I was like, dude, that was one of the first few projects that was done up there. I really like that record a lot. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Will and Wonder by Kaiser. Kaiser. Yeah. That's uh, a fun one to make. Uh, I think it was also fun because the Fox Brothers had like just bought the yeah, studio. Yeah, it was definitely... It was probably like the third or fourth project that came out of there, but it was like the first one that was like truly beautiful. Like really, it sounded really good. Like so good. And it last night was the first time I'd probably listened to it in a year. And uh, yeah, it's so good every time. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah, that one's one that I I do wish more people knew about, but I'm not really ever going to promote it. That's fair. Yeah. It is gorgeous. Is it just you and her and Danny? Pretty much. Who yeah. played the drum stuff on it? Small. There's not much. There's like a snare on one track. I think maybe Travis did. I thought so. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure, but I think that that's the case. We, we did it so that it would be super minimal. Yeah. I wanted it to sound like a campfire EP. And it. And I, I think that it holds up to that. And there are. I probably listen to it once a year. And when I go back and listen to it, I'm like, man, this. This was really good. It's pretty solid. It's through really and good. if it leaves you wanting more, then that's how it should be. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I Have you ever written an EP? Um Let me be more precise okay. with what I'm about to ask okay. you. Okay. Have you ever done like a conceptual EP? Like where you go, I want this song to have or this set of four or five songs to be about one subject or have a certain set subset of imagery to it, and then that's how you write uh-huh. those songs. Okay, no, okay, not really. But I have I have done I have done that conceptual idea with the last two albums I made. Yeah, um, but not not in the beginning of the writing process. No, and they were not EPs; they were LPs. But um, what I did was, um, okay, this is, so here's my big batch of songs. Okay. What, which one of these even go on an album together? You know, and which of, like genre-wise, like which one, which of them just don't even belong in the same thing? And so separate them like that, and whatever list is longer, it's like, okay, that's the album. And you look at that, and it's like, okay, can I, 
what do these have in common? Yeah. And whatever whatever that is, uh, once you find once I find whatever that th- common denominator is, yeah, the through line. You can kind of put it. You can. It'll tell you what chronologically happens first, second, third, fourth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I know what you're saying because you and I did that with my record. That's right. Yeah. Like, you named Garden. That, that's right. Yeah. Well, we did it together. We did. But it I together. showed you how I did it. I guess I named Garden. I think so. Years ago. Yes. And didn't know about I it think until that. you were like, "This is the name of the record." Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah." You're, and you're like, like, "Wow, yeah, it is." Yeah. Like, yeah. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah. Exactly. That I named it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so. Yeah, I kind of still just I still do that, you know, um, and that's why I feel like I'm getting closer and closer to doing that country the comedy country. thing, just yeah. because that list keeps growing yeah. and the the and I because I keep making these other records. So you're so, writing technically for like four or five projects, you just don't know where they're going to go yet. You just kind of like that's fair. I'm just it, I'm just writing, and I and I I confidently know that because I'm involved in so many different projects, and because I'm always constantly. Recording right. stuff, I just know that if it's worth keeping, I can use it eventually. Right. And so I'm not, I'm, our, I, I just, you know, we just got the vinyls back for Make Believe. We're already sitting on the masters of our next album. You know That's what I mean? It's about to be in. Yeah. And so it's like, I already, I already have the country comedy album written. I already have the next TCC thing pretty much half written. And so it's like, yeah, I'm not in a, I'm not in a hurry mm-hmm. to like get something out. I have enough shit written down already that I can utilize wherever. And so it's like, I, I do feel the freedom to like, I guess that's maybe why I'm not sitting down and being like, the next five songs I write need to be this mm. concept. Because it's like, I'll, it's all coming from one place. And so regardless yeah. of it sounds like country or sounds like this or sounds like, the thing is, is like, I may write three songs about the same thing, mm-hmm. but this song can go on a Callahan record and this song can go on a country comedy thing for my own sake. It's self-indulgent really. And, and uh, maybe this one can go on the TCC record and they're all maybe conceptually about the same thing, but the concept is just my current truth, you know, but the sound of it is maybe my current truth. Maybe today my current, I'm, I'm eating gravy and cracking jokes. So that, that my current truth is going to come out country and funny. Mm-hmm. But maybe on this day I had to drop my son off. I'm not gonna see him for a couple of days. Maybe that, maybe in that vein of whatever that emotional thing. I'm just it is my current truth, whatever that current truth is. But it's coming through this vein of this other thing. Like musically, it just reflects that, you know. And like, yeah, I don't feel too bound to be like this, 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 and this. I just let it be. And if it's if it's like hip, we'll do it in the band. And if it's like funny and country i'll save it for my thing and if it's a kind of anthem-esque i'll show it to the callahan guys and that those are kind of the three lanes that i'm kind of just always in interesting how does it feel to uh i've never had an album already written and ready to go by the time that i release an album as a predecessor to that Uh album you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and i i think that i would run into the issue of getting bored with those songs way before I ever even release them. And I want to have the excitement that pushes me to release them yeah. and to tour on them and to promote them mm-hmm. constantly. Mm-hmm. So what has been your experience? Because this is maybe the second or third time that you've done that, right? Where you right. have an album written, 
and release the album before it right. and then start working on that album. Or no, you already have it, like the masters of it. Right. I don't have the masters yet, but I do have final mixes. Yeah, it's like them. set. Yeah, yeah, it's it's done. Um, How do you not get like... So I don't... Na- now, uh, it's easier now because now I have a big enough discography to go out and gig with the band or even solo and I don't have to... I can fill whatever time slot you know, usually it's ninety, usually it's two hours, but even the, even the three hour stuff, either gigs, I can go out and and play and never play an unreleased song now. Yeah. And so to keep that excitement of it all and to keep that that whole thing separate, it's like we went and recorded this album, and then we fucking Don't we haven't tu- we haven't yeah. even jammed those songs together, and so okay, that's and cool. so when it's when it's time to. It's done, and and you know, and we made all the parts. But when it when it's time to like start releasing that thing and start gearing up for that tour, or whatever, we'll we'll all relearn our parts and we'll all come together and rehearse cool. these new songs. And so now, like, they feel new yeah. again to us because we haven't touched them at all. We've That's listened cool. to them for That's mixing right. notes, and and we like them, so we jam them if we want. But we're not like when we we go make it, and we're not if if we're far enough ahead like that, we can go make it, and by the time we have to relearn it, it feels like something completely new again. Interesting. That's a great that's a great thought on it because mm-hmm. for me it's, I guess it's also like maybe the difference of you've got a full team, and have for a while, and I think yeah. I plan to do that at some point. Yeah. But you're pushing a band thing. Right. More consistently. Right. Well, and everyone's involved not just on the musical level of it all. It's like we we are a band, but like we we as in we as a friend group have evolved past just being a band. We're we're like a multimedia art company. It's not just for me. It's for any artist that needs help doing what we do. You know what I'm saying? It's for it's for a fee, and everyone's fees are separate. Everyone is just freelance individuals. But it's like yeah, it's not. We, you know, we are. It's we're we're more than just a band for ourselves. We're more than just playing musicians for a band for other people too. You know, hmm. if a lot of a lot of folks that are coming in to Clyde or maybe even to Yellow Dog in Wimberley to record, and they're just solo acts, uh, and they use us to track all the stuff, they'll end up using us to go play a few gigs and they're like, well, I mean, y'all know the, you know, like, yeah, fuck, you got a gig, we'll go do the gig, you know? And so it's like the traveling city committee is just, you know, this catch all for the behind the scenes things that maybe Gage could help with, with showing a songwriter about royalties or, you know, th- very necessary things that, that maybe someone um, that has just been doing it maybe not all that long, just wouldn't necessarily know mm-hmm. um, that are just kind of day-to-day stuff for us to just do. We're we're here to help, you know, other artists, like, do that, you know, as, uh, you know, not... Ne- a company sounds weird, and, you know what I'm saying, like, we're everybody that's involved is kind of like fuck establishments anyway, but it's like, yeah, if you, if you come, we can do it for you, whatever we're doing, and it doesn't, like... Everyone in my band has their own individual projects too, and none of them sound the same. And so it's like, don't think that you come you come here and and everyone in my band that works on your stuff and I produce your don't think it's gonna sound like my record. My record sounds like that very much on purpose. So does Ivy's. So does JT's. And you know Taylor, my drunk, he'll have a he'll have a beat tape. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. with nothing but instrumental hip hop. You know what I'm saying? It's just like. 
everything is very much on pur- on purpose. So like whatever your vibe and your sound is, we'll kind we can kind of do that, you know. And yeah, that's that came out of like just necessity. We had already built that for ourselves on a very small scale. Uh, but when COVID happened and we couldn't gig, when we, you know, we were finally like gigging, gigging. We're finally like really playing really good shows, and you know, same story as everybody. Uh, and when when that stopped, it was like, okay, we do need to utilize our talents for other people. There's people yeah. are still making albums if even if, even when we weren't gigging, people were still recording music. They still needed content. That's you know, Gage is a photographer, videographer. His girlfriend is, and you know, Ivy, she's our keyboard player, vocal coach, background vocals. She tracks background vocals for almost every album you hear out of this county, you know, and she's a great graphic designer. She was, you know, it's like every, everyone is so individually, individually really good. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like that's why I'm able to like tr- trust, you know, yeah, their vision. You know, it's like I have a vision, but some of my vision is just like bringing it to them and allowing allowing for the collaboration of vision to happen. You know, I feel like you can it like in my experience, you can you can trust that you're at the beginning of something that has longevity for it when you're delegating to people who are good at what they really do. good because That's as a fair. songwriter. Yeah. You know this, and I know this, and probably every other songwriter knows this. At the beginning of your career in it, you have to be everything. Yes. You have to be a content provider. You've got to be a publisher and a producer. You've got to be a guitar player, a songwriter. Mm -hmm. You have to be a brand. You have to be a marketing expert. You have to be a graphic designer. I wasn't wasn't focused on any of those things other than writing and maybe performing. That's probably the way to do it. I think that there's a lot of... I really tried to focus. I'm talking about a in little. the beginning, you know. Yeah. Oh, at the beginning, it's, it's beginning. all I'm focusing on all of it now. Yeah. But yeah, for a long time it was just like I'd say that's true for me too, okay. probably. Yeah. Because like I, I just didn't even know. To. Yeah, you, you kind of I mean? stumble into in it a way a bit. like all I, all I, yeah, all I knew was uh, I liked writing songs and I loved performing. <laughs> <laughs> Nat, but you know, but when you're a kid learning guitar on your bed in your room, you don't think about like even if you think about like playing for people, you know, even if you think about playing for a bunch of people one day, you never once think about like, man, I'm gonna have to like rent some lights. Yeah, you know what I mean. You never. How much wa- is a fog machine? Yeah, like you're never like you're never like, man, I'm gonna have to like either get some gear or hire someone with right. some gear. You know, you never have thought. You know, so it's yeah. just like. The 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 longer you do it, the, the more, more those questions the more those have. yeah yeah yeah, and then you have to be the person that seeks out the answer, and that's well, when yeah. you become well and two and it's like a jack of all trades to some degree. Book, booking shows sucks on both fronts. Either either you're calling and that whole thing sucks because that can either be a yes no maybe so or whatever or just nothing. And uh, and when they or you get reached out to by maybe someone who. If it's a venue, they normally have everything pretty much. Here's here's the fucking lowdown on it. But someone's getting married or someone's having a birthday or someone's having a celebration of some sort and they need some music and they reach out and they're like, hey, are you available this day? If so, how much? I'm like, you have not even began to answer. You've not even be- There's so many questions. Yeah. 
to get to yeah. how much it costs. Full band, how long is the set? Hundred percent. Oh yeah, I, and I basically just bring the stage. I bring in. Yeah. Dude. Yes, dude. Yeah. And the fucking list goes on, and right. it's like you know, it's like every fucking answer that you have to all these questions determine how much it's going to cost. Uh-huh. If you're just asking me how much it costs for me to come fucking hang out at your wedding reception with an acoustic guitar, because yeah. that's how you asked me, that costs this much. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like that's not what you need. And so yeah. like, do you need how many people are going to be there? You know what I'm saying? Like, is it going to be nighttime? Is it going to be outside? All these things affect whatever. Yeah. Uh, the one, the one question, which maybe that's why they do it, but like the, their one question, the, their answer is like fourteen questions, yeah, and then, and then by then I get then it's like okay, I, mm-hmm. I could, it could probably be for this, yeah. You know? I feel like that's more in the the like the realm of of gigging and private events and stuff though. But that's like, fair. Whenever you're booking for like venues and stuff, that's a totally different animal, and I yeah. feel like you can't. I may be wrong about this, but I don't think that you can do that alone. I think you have to have someone representing you. That's that's really interesting. Even if they're imaginary. No, yeah. Yeah, it's never yeah. yeah, it's I am Bob. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally get what you mean by that. But like yeah. a friend of ours has a uh I won't call him out, but <laughs> he's got a, a fictional like booking agent. Yeah. That is hilarious because yeah. he he has an entire social media forum. The whole person, Jeb Workman, yeah, like so bird watch outside of his window, and uh, it's awesome. Yeah, dude. he's got like these model photo shoots of this one guy that he finds randomly on the internet, and he's like, "This is my guy. This it's, is Jeb. This is my guy." And it's yeah. just him, and he's constantly updating. And that's oh, that's the so brilliant. Page. And what's funny about it is that it's kind of become for his like close followers. It's become a thread for them to follow. Right. Because they're in the end. Yeah, they're like, oh, we know about it. And they'll comment on the social media. Making it look more real. I'm like, Jeb, you goo. Oh, my gosh. That's the type of fan. That's the type of fan I need. Yeah. The uh, I will say, like, it's funny. Like, I do do think that that does help. But it's like, I. it depends on where. Because some some of these places are like... Some of these places are what? Andrew's not calling anymore, and you, and you're Maybe. like, no, right? Jeb's, you know, even yeah. especially if you have someone that's not you. Andrew's calling with a deeper voice now. Hey, this is Andrew. This is Jeb. How you doing? Anyway, but it's like, especially if you actually do have someone else doing that job, and they're like, well, Garrett's not calling anymore. And you're like, yeah, no, man, Garrett's not calling. We're like, well, I don't know hmm. if we want to do it. Like, I've always done through email. I should probably. Have I, more of the personal. I can't. We do. We have a good EPK, and we're usually and we're we're usually pretty good about updating it once a year, and and changing it to whatever current campaign you know look we we have or whatever. Yeah. But I just don't ever get a lot of wins through email. It's like the part the part universal. of me that shines is the part of me that's fucking never shutting up. You know, right. it's like. If I can get you, if I can get you in a conversation with me, that's a good point. You will find a date on your calendar. That's to a put good my point. band. But if I'm just the fucking twelfth person that's emailed you an EPK today, I'm not going to hear back from you because not not everything no. about my EPK is legitimate and looks very nice, and everything is just as professional as anyone else's. But it's also it's it, and also it's like it's kind of set up to where the type of vibe of a show I want to have. Which is something like the Kessler, or you know what I mean, like, 
which I know that's asking for a lot, but it's like you could do it though. I mean, I've played there before and had a standing ovation. Yeah, absolutely. I I opened up for Corey Morrow there, and then we wrote a song in the green room afterwards. That's awesome. It was awesome. Kessler's a dream of mine. It it is where you should play, and it is where I should play more. I knew some uh, one of the bookers there, a friend of mine, Cameron Ray. Yeah. he works there and has for on and off for years. He's also a songwriter, wonderful songwriter. Um, but I was working with him at the time. And we were going to try to have our release show there and then have like, wanted to have like a big name open up for me. Wow. <laughs> like David Ramirez. David Ramirez. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like, no, like, no, please. Like, I'll pay you whatever you Noah want. Noah Gunderson opening up for Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, just Andrew Holmes at the top with special guests and big letters. Yeah, Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the idea. And I think conceptually it would have worked except for everyone would have left after the first yeah. act. But, you know, whatever. You should have just been like, Noah's following me. Yeah. That's I ain't opening up for him. I'll open up on my release night for someone else. That if, would actually be better. If, but I'd require that they were just acoustic and I was full band. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Um, are you cool to keep chatting for a minute? Sure. I gotta take a bathroom break. Do it. All right. How long have you known uh, Taylor Oaks? Ooh, I, I think I met him in 2016. Uh, Where? In Abilene. I think it was when he was going. I'd have to confirm that with him, but I think it was right when I moved back from Tennessee, and then uh, he was running. To my knowledge, the first time I met him, I think, I think he would confirm this, but. He was at a Abilene craft fair, or the People Parties production craft fair, craft show. I don't know what they called it. It's been a while. Um, but by Jen and Forrest Harmel. He provided sound for that, and he was going to ACU at the time. And he and I talked a little bit, and I didn't know how good of a guitar player he was or anything. But Jen had been like, oh, he's... He's great, Sailor Oaks. Like y'all, he's new to town, kind of thing. Because he's originally from uh, Midland, I think, mm-hmm. or Odessa, one of the two. And uh, we kind of hit it off a little bit, you know. It was, I think, it, during that time, I was like, I was a little bit full of myself, and I was like, you know, I'm the Abilene guy or whatever. Uh, we don't. Need, you met him, and you're like, we don't need you here. <laughs> like, I'm sure you're okay. And then when I heard him, I was like. Damn it. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's so good. Yeah. He's so talented. He's undeniably good. And um, furthermore than that, like his, uh, so his, you know, guitar steez is obviously amazing, but uh, harmonica, he's insanely good at that. Mm-hmm. And then he didn't really start, he and I became close friends, like pretty quick after that. I think just immediately, you know, you meet somebody and you're like, I, okay. You know, yeah, and well, then you get like, to know him real quick, and you're like, all right, I'm an idiot. An idiot. Me and him were talking about this the other day. Like, once you see, like, once you saw how good he was, you were instantly like, oh, yeah, we could be homies. Yeah. <laughs> like, but not really before then. Yeah, that's pretty funny. I've also noticed that the people that I have a, the biggest, like, first reaction to, where I'm like, this guy, I'm like, yeah. the closest friends with. As soon as I get over that, which is typically pretty quick because I yeah. recognize that inside mm-hmm. of myself. But, um, yeah. but I, well, we're all kind of walking around the same way. Yeah. And that, that pisses me off. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm special though. Exactly. I'm different. I, but I'm, yeah. we can't, this, you can't be a songwriter too. This That's town my is, thing. This town isn't big enough for the, 
seven of us. Right. It's like, yes, it is. Yeah, <laughs> it totally is. It's too big, actually. And it's honestly us against everybody else. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, no, he was great. And then what's, what's been really cool about my relationship with Taylor, who's one of my closest friends, you know that, T.O., um, he, st- I feel like he started songwriting after the era that he and I and uh, John Hester at the time, like, like we were, that was the most gigging I've done, and it was like an era where, I mean, it was predominantly in Abilene and like the occasional Dallas something, but like there felt like some kind of momentum for us because we were one of a, a very small group of people that were doing gigs, and yeah. so in the tiny live music community that there was in Abilene, right. we were you know big fish in that little pond. Hundred percent. And so y'all were the fish. We were the the only. Few. Well, y'all were like, yeah, y'all were definitely, y'all were the ones worth going and seeing for sure. Is what I meant by that. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Like anytime any three of y'all were somewhere, it was like worth going to see for yeah. sure. Yeah. And Taylor at the time started off in in our group yes. rather yes. doing uh, harmonica and lead guitar, and uh, I think that's where a lot of us started getting our chops, like stage chops and stuff like, it's like that together. Yeah, and there was a lot of alcohol involved and yeah. forgotten nights that I lived and all that kind of you know rock star bullshit. Yeah, um, but I, I got really close with Taylor during that time, and that I think he, I picked up on how funny it is to work with someone who knows what the fuck they're doing. Yeah, and he picked up on like maybe the more wild songwriter kind of. It's a different mentality. ethos for sure, and it's not what I live anymore, but. At the time, I was definitely, you know, reckless. Yeah. Just, you know. Well, you had to go out there. Unabashed, youth, creative, misunderstood, young man kind of thing. Yeah. But But I I watched him start to write songs. And the first few songs that he wrote were already as good as the songs I was writing five or six years into this. So he picked it up super quick. And uh, that's been really cool to watch. And then just, like, his dedication to... Practice is unlike anybody Untouched. I've ever seen. Wake if up had before a, if the he had morning a nickname, practice for it would two be hours. Woodshed. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> Tia Woodshed. Yeah, yeah. No, he's he's can't say enough good things about him. Yes, yeah, as a friend, as a songwriter, same. and as a musician, he's he's st- every time he's in town, he stays here. Yeah. If he he he'll come in and he'll and he you know he plays for eighteen hundred different bands he'll come in not even an exaggeration yeah he'll yep. come in play for so and so wherever yep and it'll be like yeah there was like 50 people there that didn't do anything and he'll come we'll watch king of the hill and he'll crash on the couch and then i'll come in and be like yeah uh there was 1100 people there tonight <laughs> I know, uh, man. He plays and, such a wide variety. Yeah, and uh, and like it, we, just, but we have the same night regardless. Yeah, he is unaffected. Yes, like if he has a good time, he yep. comes in. And he's like he's excited to share the good time. You know. Yeah. But like he's even if it's a bad time, he's kind of like the same amount of excited. Here's why, though. I'll tell you. It's because he loves the art of storytelling, which we and you he, and I have told this, and he knows that. <laughs> He knows how to hook me in. He can, dude, he knows he how to hook me in. He can spin a web unlike anybody oh, else. And he knows that I'll and sit so there the whole time. If it's a bad night, he's going to have a story. Oh. And if it's a good night, 
he's going to have a story out oh, of it. Oh, man. And so I think that that's what maybe keeps him humble no matter what is that his focus is Because he's so is ready like, about just telling you about it. Yeah. What? Tell me the twist in the night. Oh, you man. Know? And then... This episode of What's Right is brought to you by Wonderland Records. Wonderland Records is a full-service recording studio and rehearsal space based in Clyde, Texas. You can ask for dates and ask for a tour at Instagram at underscore Wonderland Records underscore. Thank you, Wonderland Records. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like... Tio's the kind of guy that'll like go to the bathroom for three minutes and come back and be like, y'all won't believe what just Yeah, hundred percent. And you're like, and it's like, let's go, dude. The story's gonna be longer than the trip was. Hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> and worth it. Worth every. Yeah. Breath. Oh, he's, he's so good at it. It's always funny. And it's oh, always man. like, we it's do. funny in the timeless kind of way, not yes. funny in like, in like a cheap way. It's like yes. he'll find, and I think that's what makes him a great songwriter too. Yeah. Is he'll find like the interesting part and know when to say it. Yes, like he'll hold off. He's got hold the, it up, and then and he, he knows like <laughs> when he's like telling a story to me, he'll like go into like actor mode, and he and he knows that I'll just follow him there with it, and so he'll he'll like do like purposeful pauses and like yeah. big reveals and stuff, and I'm just and I'll just lose it. <laughs> oh man, he cut whenever. He, the thing is, he's does so his... shy. And he's not shy. He's right. like soft spoken. He's just reserved. Yeah. yeah. But when he reveals oh, what's going on, it's a in big his reveal. Head, it's amazing. It's yeah. a it's I comedic gold every time. I love that kid. He's he's a good guy. He sh- he showed me so many just you know because like it, a couple times a month he'll come in and yeah. it's just him and a backpack and his guitar case and sit down and. uh you know, I already I always have King of the Hill waiting for him, and uh, maybe make him a sandwich or something. <laughs> and uh, we'll sit down and like almost every time I'll just randomly pick the guitar up and do like a, like a like kind of fake through a country lick, and uh, he'll look at me and I'll be like, "How do I do that the right way?" And he'll show me. Yeah. And like I've learned like five or six like really. Expand, like really good really like just traditional country licks That's that cool. I was always doing incorrectly or or I couldn't do at all and he was like yeah you just do it like this and he was I was like oh shit alright wow like, that's cool mm-hmm. yeah that's and he'll cool. show and he'll show you man and like it was surprising to him I don't know maybe maybe it's just like the assumption of everyone's yeah. ego maybe cause it's easy to assume you know that some that someone that looks and I don't know, I do have an ego, you know, so it's easy to assume that that's always turned on maybe. But if I'm sitting on my couch and we're just watching cartoons, it's not on anymore. You know what I mean? It's just me me and you're just chilling and watching cartoons. And so the first, you know, the first, you know, after the first five or six times of him staying over here, I eventually like asked him to show me something on the guitar and he showed me and I was like having trouble doing it. And he was like, man, I really didn't think like you would have, you seem like an excellent guitar player. Well, it's like I'm so good was, at I was, I was I'm good at what this. I do, but like I was asking him to show me something not easy. Yeah, you know, I was like, it was not. Yeah. That's why I was asking him to show it to me. Like it was very intricate, mm-hmm. and I was trying to do it the right way. And they, and he was like, he'll practice but, one tiny sound slowly, yeah, yeah. for hours. Yes, though. I know. And I was trying to do the whole thing in one time, you know. Yeah. And I and he was like, man, I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised that like that's kind of hard for you to do. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like not easy to do. You know, like whatever it is, like I mean, I can Only do it have now. Five fingers, like, yeah, dude. It's like that. That whole lick is like hard. One of my favorite Taylor Oak stories 
Um, so, what? Well, I, I'll preface this with I love this about Taylor that as soon as I have introduced him to any part of my family, he is family to oh, them. Yeah. And so my family, both mom's side and dad's side, talk about Taylor all the time. Because the second I introduced him to my aunt in uh, like the trophy club area of Dallas, like one time introduced him. She was like, well, come over, stay anytime. And he was like, I'm, these dates are the dates I'm coming back through this area. Yeah. And he stayed, he stayed over there more times than I ever have at my aunt's house that he met like one time. And he, he's got probably a closer relationship with dude. them. And I love that. But there was this one time, because uh, he's real close with my family too, my like immediate family, my mom and my dad. And my mom can, my mom does this thing where she acts aloof, I guess, sometimes, right? And um, she, cooked a casserole one time. This is a little gross, but <laughs> she cooked a casserole one time. I wasn't there. And there was little and, um, toes and fingers in it. There was a Band-Aid no! in the casserole, and my cousin was lucky enough to bite into it, and she pulls a Band-Aid out of her mouth, and she goes, is this a Band-Aid? And my mom was like, no. Oh. No, absolutely not. And she was like, were you wearing a Band-Aid before you cooked? And she was like, yeah, and it like I don't know what happened to it, but, but that's not it. Taylor yeah. Oaks is sitting at the table watching the whole thing <laughs> and just eating and not saying a word, and doesn't stop eating and gets second helpings. Afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, well, there's only one band aid, and it was found. So. <laughs> but Taylor Oaks will take up any opportunity for hospitality, 100%. whether that's food or a couch Dude, he's or whatever. The, he's the, and he's a perfect guest too. He, he's a perfect guest, but he's like the master. He's yeah. the master traveler. Mm-hmm. He takes the bus when he needs when he can. He takes the train oh, when yeah. he can. I've dropped him off at the bus station. So Motherfucker's never stayed in a hotel room once. He make yep. he has a friend in every town. Yeah, I'm lu- I'm just a lucky. I'm traveler. I'm his friend in this town. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's oh, so funny, man. That's yeah, so crazy. great. So the first time, I think the first time I met him is when we were making Dane's album up at Notion Yeah. before they changed it to Wonderland. Uh, I didn't and, even know they changed it. So the small they sold the small building. They're just in the big building now. Okay, and, and now so, it's called Wonderland. Mm-hmm, that's what they're calling it. Okay. And uh, anyway, when we were making records in that small building where you made that Kaiser EP, um, he was like, I'd heard about him through talking to you before, and I heard his name a bunch, and I'd heard through hey, James with Dane pack a bunch, and uh, we were making Dane's record, so he was like, yeah, T.O.'s going to come in, cool. And he came in, and he sat, We, you know, mic'd his stuff up in the live room. He sat in the control room with me and literally did any fucking thing I could think to ask him to do. Like, immediately like on the guitar on the guitar yeah yeah on the guitar so like here's anyway gets his tone set gets his tubes warmed up here's here's a song jam through it a little bit he'd already been working on it and stuff here play it you know okay you're warmed up let's make a take and like okay that's a pretty good take let's do a solo he's like what do you want me to do and I would literally go like I'm thinking like and he'd be like, okay. And he would just do that. He would do exactly what I would say. Yep. And I and I would be I would be more I would give him more direction than just like making noises and stuff too. We we really dove in there. But like the first time we met, we sat down and sculpted 
the lead parts to Dane's whole fucking album together. <laughs> and anything that I could ask for him to do, he immediately did without any hesitation. Yeah. Pretty much on the nose. Yep. Yeah, he's he's excellent at that. There's there were some timing things because I mean because he's he's doing it he's doing it correctly, you know, talking about talking about maybe like a honky tonk song or something. Mm-hmm. There'd be some timing things where I'd want it to like drag and stuff, and so like talking about that was really interesting, just because I knew that he was doing it correctly, and he knew that I knew that he was doing, it, and he knew that I was asking him to do it kind of wrong a little bit, and like where the, where is that line? okay for someone who's like that good to right. be like I don't know if I I don't know if I want to do it not right and it's like yeah but we're like we're not doing things right right now mm-hmm. is the point and I don't know he kind of started having fun with that thinking about it that way he came in so prepared you know it was like let's let's be exp- you're so good let's be experimental you mm-hmm. know he's such a treat yeah he really is um he, when he came in when Came and stayed and played the other day. Um, the The next day I was playing in Fort Worth, and he had been gigging for like five days in a row. And uh, he's like, I'm going to come out and see y'all. And I knew that he was like tired of gigging. Uh, but JT had a gig, and so I needed a lead player. And I called him, and he did the homework with like four hours of time. He showed up for sound check. He never shows up unprepared. Dude, he was like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. And uh he really saved saved our booties that night and uh I've been during, lucky to have him as a part of like my like local ba- band. Yeah, exactly. But he's been like blowing up lately. Well yeah, he's just, so, he just he just takes so the gig. happy. He just takes the yeah. gig, man. Yeah. That's the thing. I'm so happy for him, but at the same time I'm like I have I've texted him several times and been like, Hey man, like I'm gonna have to start training someone else because you're, which is great. Sure, I love that for. I like. I, yeah. do, I have no bad feelings towards that at all. Yeah, for sure. Like when uh, what's that saying? Um, when the tide rises, all boats float, or something like that. I think that's very true. And it like, if he's catching a good vibe, like I would be an idiot to discourage that. Yeah, you know, he also that'd be so counterproductive. Yeah, he to also, not celebrate anybody in my circles wins. It would not make sense. There's so, there really are so few and far between for any of us, you know? Yeah. And I think that's why it's important to celebrate anybody's. Okay, do you want the last bit of this? Aye. Y'all, we are drinking. Good thing it is midnight. I will say, though, about, yeah, (laughs) burning that midnight oil. Yep. Uh, T.O. just needs dates from you, and he'd go. Yeah, he does a really good job about that. I think that, that's all like, he needs. What's nice about like the the band practices that we're going to be doing is that like I can get it, the band the utility of the band practice for me and the four other guys that are a part of it, excluding To, is that we can all like find our pulse and our jam and whatever. And Taylor's gonna he's gonna practice on his own. And maybe I have one practice session with him beforehand. Yeah. And he's it, good to go. Yeah. And so he, he doesn't ha- require the same level of attention. Well, I'm really mainly speaking for myself because my band is amazing. Everyone in it knows yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but, like, I need to know that the 
the when to lead and when to follow, I guess, when mm-hmm. it comes to being the front man with stuff. Because there are sometimes I want my band to slow down with me when I really, you know, articulate really, one thing. Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 like everything needs to slow down for and a that's second. that's a cool moment. And this is all vocals. This yeah. is all this line. And then y'all come in when needed. Yeah. And they, like that is a that is a point when they need to follow me. But there's mm-hmm. a lot of points in the song where I have to follow the beat and I have right. to like kind of just touch in and out. And yeah. Um. So a lot of band practice that I'm noticing is is me finding my pace in coordination with maybe like drums specifically and bass. Is this kind of your first time with like an ensemble consistently? Oh, for sure. What yeah. does it look? Like as far as like what are the are the instrumentation basically like your latest album is that what's happening on stage so yeah so far and I don't even know if I'll need that much at some point I'd like to have a violinist right that's what I was gonna ask time. you because I it wasn't really on your last record but it's kind of a through line with other stuff uh it's on I think three songs because Abby Gunderson right oh wow I didn't songs. know that. Yep, and she also did I vocals. Guess I, maybe you did tell me that, but you she always did, wait after we drink the whole right thing, yeah, to tell you all the cool, that is fun, re- secret that stuff. That is really cool. Uh, she was a delight to work with too. I bet. So, and she did the vocals on Boomerang, and where she really shined the most though was the Flowers of June, the last song on that record, Garden. It was, it felt pretty good, and then we sent it to her to do vocals and violin. And I cried the first time I heard it. Like, she built something totally different on top of it. And uh, I kind of wish in the final mixing there was more of her vocals in it, just mm-hmm. because she she has such an, like a, an old style of harmony yeah. that stands out as familiar and modern at the same time. Yes. Um, and she does that a lot in... Noah's like Noah Gunderson's early stuff. It's I guess it's more prominent. She probably does the same stuff, but it's more prominent in that kind of folk vein stuff that he started right. in. Right. And um, anyways, that song though, go back and listen to it now that you know that that's yeah, her vocals and her uh, violin. And she also did the violin on Boomerang, and she did the violin on, and if there's any vocals on Passing Conversation, that like song that it's basically a prayer. Uh, yeah, soft as a prayer, kind yeah. of. Vibe. I would have never known that her and I were on the same album if you didn't just tell me that. Yeah, well, there you go, man. Well, I, I'm sure you've told me that before. Like I said, I probably have. I also wrote. Um, I th- my goal with that record, and this is not for the sake of name dropping because, you know, you didn't even know this. You were on the record, so it's, right. I don't talk about this a lot. Right. But um, but my goal personally, and with Zach Balch, the producer of that record. Uh, was we wanted this to be a massive stepping stone into like the ears and eyes of people that work with other people, right? You know, like a networking kind of thing, right? And it worked out so organically that it wasn't even difficult to do, which was so cool. But I wrote uh, the War of Attention with David Ramirez. Wow! And it was he did a. I, I brought him the idea, and he wrote it with me and kind of he wrote I would still say I probably wrote 80% of it sure but he some of the lines that he contributed to it like hook line and sinker the that part of the song it's a perfect song so or perfect line for that song 
I said uh, algorithmically curated clickbait, which I loved the way that that flowed, algorithmically curated clickbait. And he was like, that's really good, but let's add why that's good. And so he said hook, line, and sinker. Yep. And it fit in that little perfect that little spot perfectly. Yeah, and we were talking earlier about the vocabulary of it all and like using bait and hook, line, and sinker. Like yep. that, you know, like. So yeah, brilliant. and I think that he he called. I wrote this line earlier in that song, that he pointed out as that exact same thing, and it was before I had kind of realized that that's what I was doing. Right. Because sometimes you just again this if you're is doing like, it the right way. The rules, you, yeah, exactly. You're you're doing it according to the rules that you don't even know you're really writing. Right. Um, but the the first instance of that in that song is um, uh, bullet point ammunition. Which I thought was he he pointed that out as really good because it was I was talking about the news anchors and they have bullet points that they need to hit but they did it targeting you know their political opponents or whatever right. so it's bullet point ammunition so mm-hmm. it's the dual usage of bullet points and then obviously you know ammunition uh, so um, that it, was a really fun to write it was to write with him yeah and he not only did he point out kind of some of the Maybe the things that I was already doing that I didn't know I was doing, but he finished some of the thoughts that I'd started when it came to those like dual dual meanings without really like f- solidifying or finishing the thought. Right. And he would go, "Oh, you're saying, uh, you know, bait right here. There's there's a dual meaning there. Right. And so let's add the." A cliche, hook, line, and right, sinker. Right, right. So he he recognized that as a setup yeah. and was able to implement. Did you it. did you realize? Of course, you knew the song wasn't finished. Is that part of why you knew the song wasn't finished? Did you realize that there wasn't, or did or or was that revealed to you when y'all were working on it together? There was actual blank spots in the yeah, song. Cool. Yeah. Um, that I knew like this needs to be filled in. Yeah. And then also he. Uh, David Ramirez has a way of bringing attitude. Yeah, it's a delivery thing. Yeah. And I knew that the War of Attention needed a little bit of okay attitude. Yeah. That's interesting, like, just, like, conceptually being like, this and this person, yeah, if I could do this with this person, it could be right. Right. I understand that completely. And it's kind of like a va- – it's almost like a really broad connection, Which, but it's like you, – but you can just see how that would, like, help. And this record was the catalyst for me to be able to have, you know, like not only could I think, oh, if only I could have David on this song, but I had grown to that place in my career where I was like, that's tangible. Yeah, exactly. Like I can reach out to this guy yeah. and be like, hey, and he pr- man, here's And he probably won't to, yeah. And he was like, great, let's write it. And I was like, okay. So we met up at a studio space in Austin and like, well, I don't know, two and a half hours. And it was the song was 90% instead of 70%. And then I finished it in the end and sent it to him. And he was like, it's perfect. Sounds great. That's and, awesome. And yeah. So that record had a lot of different um, kind of stepping stone connections for me. Abby Gunderson, David Ramirez. And then um, a lot of, like, local Dallas people, too. Like, there's uh, a young lady that sings. Her name is Taylor Nick. She sings with Leon Bridges and um, David Ramirez and 
uh, Paul Cawthon and you know, all those kind of like Charlie Crockett and all those and people in Charlie Crockett's band also um, were a part of uh, Mayo. Yeah, Mayo the drummer. Dallas, yeah, he's great too. Also. So great. I love him. Yeah. He was he's, tracking that day. I was tracking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he you had multiple really drummers on there, though, right? Yeah, him and then the guy that's in my band, and also my current music director, and wow, okay. a close friend of mine. Yeah, Casey Reed did. Uh, he's great. Drums. He did amazing. I think what I but like about it was about, cool to meet Mayo. Dude, Mayo's great. He's so cool. And then like later that year, they like were playing in time, like Madison Square Garden. And that's crazy. Opening up for Willie Nelson and stuff. Yeah. And so like the record that I was able to make had so organically connected with people I would consider one realm above where I was at the time. Sure. In a way that the reason that it mattered so much was mm-hmm. not only that I had friends like you sure. that whenever I said, Hey, would you mind? You're like, I'll be there no matter yeah. what. Yeah. And that was thankfully the reaction I had from a lot of the friends that I was like, I'd love for you to be a part of this. Yeah. But also that was the reaction from these people that I'd considered like uh, maybe more like acquaintances than friends. Well, people I looked up to. Sure, yeah. You know yeah. that I, I'd been I'd been listening to Abby Gunderson and, and David, David Ramirez yeah. since I was sixteen. That's awesome, dude. You know, and yeah. to be able to say, you know, yeah, they were a part of this record, and uh, you know, one of the songs was written with them, and and gosh darn, they liked it. They liked it, and I enjoyed hanging out with them. Yeah. You know? I didn't get to hang out with Abby so much, but we talked a few times, and it, we really just bounced stuff back and forth. But sure. She's a pro, man. Yeah. She's working with somebody of that caliber. Yeah. That When her and her brother played at the Kessler when we were both there, it was like the best acoustic performance I've ever seen. Yeah, and I, I was only privy to like a couple of... I knew that I was going to love the show, but I'd only really heard a handful of Noah songs. And the whole freaking set, dude. There's so good. So few of his songs that I don't like. No. Really enjoy. Yeah. yeah. No, and then also really enjoy. Do you Even like his, you li- you're liking his newer stuff? Yeah, it's, I think it's, you know, it's interesting. We were talking about the writing process and how it evolves. I think I, don't have any idea, but my thoughts on the way that his writing has changed is that he's probably, he just got married. He's probably in a similar position, uh, in terms of the evolution of his songwriting where it's show up and, and reanalyze the rules. Yeah. And so he's coming up with songs that are a lot more Leonard Cohen in their essence. Like they're, Mm -hmm. they're a lot more, uh, poetically derived and, soft and like there's always a pulse behind the yeah the lyrics and stuff and mm-hmm. then some of them are free form writing too so they don't even have uh, choruses or anything like that they just um you know it's just a thought that continues and continues until it ends yeah which is those are some of my favorite kind of songs you've yeah. got a few of those yeah but so does and like I've, I've got Van a few mm-hmm. and Dane has a couple of those like the, uh, I think my favorite of, do you have a favorite song that you've written? Of or my one own? that's connecting with you right now? I don't think so, no. Do you? I've got one that, Battle and Bruise on that latest wow, record. Oh, yeah. Such a great one. That one I wrote like seven years ago. Oh, it, wow. 
it's the one that I, like, for years, and I, I don't know that I do it so much now, but it still comes out, but for years I would literally, if I was freaking out about something, I'd pick up the guitar and, like, play that song, and it would act as a mantra for me to, like, talk myself off the ledge a little bit. Wow. And so that song is connected with me deeper than any other song I've ever written. Do you have one that's kind of like been a a go-to on a like a personal level? Um the the last one I wrote last year before, you know, before the new year or whatever. Yeah, it it resonates with me. I I find myself playing it for me, you know. Yeah. Which a lot a lot of the times like your newest song kind of is and that's not necessarily the newest one I've written, but that's like that's the last like really really good one to me anyway. I'll show it to you here in a little bit. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Like, I'm sure that'll change too. I'm sure like whatever I'm feeling towards that song, like my life will change, and so like that th- that'll change, and maybe it'll be like a different song. But there isn't one that's like that old of mine that like reoccurs. That I can think of really. Hmm. Used to sharks did that for me. I like that one a lot. But then it but then but then gr- growing out of whatever mentality I was in when I was really resonating with that, now um it's like sadder to me now than it was. It was like cathartic to like to like present it. It was like cathartic to like tap back into that feeling and like be like, Yes, this is the truth and mm. stuff. And and now I still like singing that song, um, but uh, yeah, thinking about the motions of of it all, that what it took to to go through the things that I'm writing it about, or that I wrote it about, yeah, it's like bums me out. Interesting. Um, but and that's only if I'm like, if you're really, if you're allowing yourself to connect to what you're writing, which you know, if you're in front of a good audience, you will, you will, you will allow yourself to do that. Not always in front of the best audience, but so sometimes I could just kind of just sing that song. But mm-hmm. but sometimes it's like that song used to be like a really good feeling for me, and now it kind of sucks. What do you think the best song is that you've written? Like when you think about from a songwriter's mm-hmm. perspective, lyrically and melodically, and like your the concept of your song being fully articulated. What was the the song that you think you did that the best in? It's a song that's not released yet, um, and it's not recorded yet, but I've had it for a couple of years, quite a few years, and it's called Everybody. Okay. And you've heard it. I usually start solo shows with it, especially if it's kind of like, especially if they're listening. Because the first line is, everybody's dying or getting divorced. I think that's probably the best song I've ever written. Yeah. If that if that's what you're asking me. Yep. Yeah. No, that checks out, man. Yeah. The first time I heard that one, you and I were playing at that retirement home. That's right. And and they were all close to death. And <laughs> yeah, I, I know. All of their friends have already died, and yeah. I go, everybody's dying, dying or, or getting, getting divorced. divorced. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. What was what was cool about that show is you bringing that out. I think that like playing it at a like. Uh, long-term care facilities or mm-hmm. old folks homes, whatever you're gonna call them. Um, as a songwriter, you go in there and you go, like, 
like there's a bunch of topics that maybe like maybe these people don't want to talk about. Yeah. You know, and death is definitely at the top of that list. Mm-hmm. You know, just crudely, that's you walk in there, you're like, I don't have that half of my inventory is gone now. Yeah, like, and I and I, I t- and I and I did take away any of the gruesome, like really on the nose, like storytelling mm-hmm. things about death. I didn't do any of that stuff. Right. But I did instantly bring up death in a funny way. And they loved it, man. That's what I thought was so cool about it is like maybe some of those taboo topics like when brought up the right exactly. way. Exactly. People are like, Oh, it's it's better that you did bring it up. You know? We were the only people in the room that didn't have white hair. Yeah. You and I. Mm-hmm. And my sister and her mom showed up too. Do you yeah, remember that? I do remember. They that. were coming they live in Natchez, Mississippi. Uh-huh. And they were coming to hang for the week or whatever here in Abilene, and I just happened happen to pick that gig up with you as they they were coming through. So I was like, come on by. And mm-hmm. so they walk in. They've only ever seen me in, like, maybe a listening room once or twice, but they've usually only ever seen me in, like, bars, bar right. bars. And uh, so they walk in, and all, all, it's, like, as bright as a dentist office in there, and it's just you and I Fluorescent and a lighting. bunch of 90-year-old people. Uh-huh. They're like, what the fuck is going on? But they enjoyed it because everyone was just listening, you know. Yeah, I still think of that as you know. It, I've seen you perform in maybe, you know, ten or more different places. That may have been my, bit, my best set. Ever. I think that was my favorite set that you ever done. And the I think the the best part of that set is at the end of it because I you were opening up for me and mm-hmm. I went and did it afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> you knew that that was one of your best sets. <laughs> yes, I did. And you handed the guitar off to me and said, "Beat that." <laughs> yeah. So, so I was quoting. I was quoting. Uh, have you ever seen Great Balls of Fire? Uh-uh. There's this famous rock and roll story about. There was this show with Chuck Berry, and Jerry Lee Lewis, and Chuck Berry had been, had he'd had hits on the radio already, uh, but Jerry Lee was like the number one, on the you know hit maker at the time. And so in the contract, you know, it was like, Chuck Berry's closing. And Jerry Lee's like, I'm not going out there before anybody. And, and pretty much they made Jerry Lee go out there. And he had the best set of his life. And he set the piano on fire. Like, middle of the stage, set the piano on fire. And then when he walks by, this is what I told you when I handed you your guitar. He walks by Chuck Berry and he goes, follow that, killer. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. It's perfect in that room because they are they were great listeners and like, yeah, I mean it was a special night. It's a totally different type of night. Yeah, and uh, I was honored to be there. I was yeah, leaning. Was, I was leaning into like the act of it all. Yeah, know? and I liked that you threw a lot of comedy songs into that. And that was my first introduction into a lot of the songs that you've written that were comedy songs. Well, it's like usually when and you and amazing. I. Well, thank you, but like usually when you and I are like in that world of songs, it's like not. Old old people don't want to cry about death. They want to laugh about it. Yeah. We're in a room full of old people. Usually you and I are in a room full of people half their age. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't know, even if even if they'll ignore it, it's like no one in that room is going to ignore anything that you say. Right. And so it was like, I don't know. I I didn't want to make a bunch of old ladies sad. Yeah. I, wanted to, I wanted them to be like, I wanted them to leave being like, I'm really glad we... Mm-hmm left the house for this mm-hmm. i've i've had to walk an old lady outside of her house before and get her in the car and put you know what i'm saying like 
it was it was easier for me to jump in the car and drive to Dallas from here than it was for those old ladies to just go down the street mm-hmm. and like I I didn't want them getting in the car feeling old. Yeah. You yeah. know, and I don't I don't even think I put that much forethought into it necessarily say, in the, in the have, moment. Yeah, you would have to have written songs for it. You just you kind of knew that like this ilk of songs were going to be the ones that would work in this scenario. I just knew that everybody that everybody that I know that is that age likes country songs and likes funny songs. Yeah. And I have some of those. And so I just leaned into And I think even, I even played some serious country songs that you probably hadn't heard of mine until then. And it's just because like, I don't know, like downtown Dallas isn't the place to show that. You right. know what I'm saying? Like yeah. at two in the morning or whatever. That was an interesting show. And it was probably my, it was probably one of my favorite solo show, like solo performances I've ever had. Well, and they had that grand piano there too that you and yeah, and I was like, "There's no, I'm not standing beside this while it's covered up like an old Corvette in a garage. Like, let's use this fucking thing. It sounded great. It did, yeah, 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 really did. Follow that killer. Let's wrap this up. All right, man. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Fuck yeah, a lot of fun. (laughs) Let's go get some more whiskey. All right.